Very slowly. someone claiming to be the president. Straight it back to the White House satellite account. All right, call us gone, but the line is still active. Put it through. Listen to me. Listen to me. You know who I am. I'm the president of the United States. Yes! Don't think that means I don't shoot you. Get off my plane. Welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that does, I think, what it says in the tin. It's best film ever. My name is Ian. And I'm Ethan. Yeah, and that's it. That's all we got today. Yeah. We, were, we thought we were going to have four, and then Georgia got, got waylaid at work, and then Liam, literally as we were about to turn the, I, I mean, I was literally sending the invite to, to Ethan, and then there was an emergency, and unfortunately, he had to be called away. And everything's okay, but um, yeah, it was just a situation where, unfortunately, it was one of those, you gotta go. And he's like, yeah, I gotta go. We're the only ones left on the plane now. Yeah, yes, we are. <laughs> and there's only one parachuter, one, 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 one place left here. As we get together oh, for episode number 130, and that's uh, Air, 132, 132, which oh. is on Air Force One. 132 on Air Force One. So there we go. So where have we been flying our friendly skies this week? It's been hey. here at home in Britain, in Canada, in Australia, in South Korea, in the Denmark, in Netherlands, in South Africa, in <laughs> Egypt, in Ghana, number 33 in India, and number 30 in Pakistan. Oh, wow. Sierra Leone will leave a lot on for you. Yeah. Yeah, so there is that. Uh, if you are... A little behind in your BFE listening. Last week we did Pan's Labyrinth, a piece mm-hmm. of, of of proper cinema, I must say. Yeah. Um, and you can also check out our Thor Love and Thunder Theater Skip It or our Bruce Willis Real Roundtable, which finally got up there. Um, which no one complained about the Looper stuff, so that's good. Oh, that's good. That's, it, that that makes me feel a bit better. I, 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 I did put a warning right at the start. Yeah. I did actually decide I'll probably just put one in there. And uh, or later on this week, we hope we bring you a Cedar Skipping on Elvis. Oh, nice. Liam and I were talking about maybe doing a recording of that after we got done with this, and then I don't think it's happening now. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll have to reschedule, but we will. I went and saw Elvis myself last night. He's already seen it, it turned out. So I was like, oh, we can do this. So there we go. But our first thanks go to the people who never leave us, and that is our Patreon backers. We're talking Reverend Bruce, Juline, Hermes, Lena Oberholzer, Katie McRae, Anthony and Davies, Chris Peterson, Randall, what's your handle, Silva, Dwayne Smith, Dwayne Smith, the Yeet Meister, Nate the Great, Andy Dixon, and Cheesy. With a fish on our bike. There we go. I thought the lag was killing us when I was going through the individual ones, but that wasn't that bad. So uh, it's that time. Let's go ahead and do some reflections and corrections. Um, let's start off with Resident Posty Russell posted <laughs> a video of Doug Jones turning into a fawn by makeup, not like he's actually mad. Which, if Georgia was here, I was going to say, sorry, Georgia, I had a joke ready to go. Yeah, uh, so uh, then we have uh, resident, not resident posty, resident poet laureate of the BFE, Dwayne Smith. 
Dwight Smith. Who said I definitely need to watch this again. Listening to this episode made me realize I missed a few things. Maybe the combination of concentrated on the subtitles and it not being quite what I expected affected me engaging with the film properly. I did spend a portion of it confused. I like fantasy films, so I'm bemused to why I didn't connect with this. I do feel honored to be the sole Patreon. Yeah, he was the only guy who'd seen it uh, this week. And for the record, I love Alice in Wonderland. I just made an ill-advised decision about the White Rabbit, but I saw the error of my ways. Hey, it's all good, Dwayne. We appreciate you uh, in general, but we appreciate you sharing your thoughts. Ethan, have you ever seen Pants Labyrinth, buddy? I did a couple years ago. I I wanted to see it uh, for, for last week, and then I don't know what I did to my hip. But I tried to move and better my. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to focus on any film right now. <laughs> I, I never, I never got to get around to watch it for the podcast to send notes. Well, the hips don't lie, and it was telling yeah. you no podcast last week. <laughs> I think I might just watch it like at some point this week, just so I can, I can like cement my feelings. It was I good. I liked it. Yeah, it's been so long. It was a good conversation. Uh, new listener, Shy Burgerfreund. I hope I'm saying that right. Shy Burgerfreund uh, said, "I just finished the podcast and really enjoyed it. I love this movie, and I think you're." conversation about it did it justice by the way i'm firmly in the camp of the whole thing was real as a true fantasy buff would and yes doug jones was spectacular in it and so i responded sounds like you're on team georgia and she went yep and then hermes joined in <laughs> with hashtag team georgia hashtag georgia forever that's a new wow. that's a new one i quite like that one and yeah, then i and then i went oh you, you're you're simply just making stuff up now and he went, yeah you're right i'm hashtag team ethan i'm like yeah sure you are hey. sure if he's gonna he's gonna roll back and forth you know the more he doesn't say me the more i know he is team ian that's the thing is that me with my football team? He, Depending who's doing good. Yeah, I'm that's, like, that's all he's yeah, doing. See, he's talking about everybody see, but me, and all yeah. that does is show me how much he does care. That's all that means. <laughs> yeah. so, so thank you, Hermes. Keep them thank wanting you. more. Keep them wanting more. Uh, let's do some shout-outs. We got Malice yeah. After Midnight for the Love. Uh, Nate the Great, who says, great episode as always. He didn't get a chance to see last week's, but he's got some thoughts on Air Force One, so we look forward to those. Ooh. We've got uh, Ray from Being Bookish. Thanks a lot for the love. Science Fiction Remnant. We've exchanged some messages about potentially doing something together. That's quite exciting. Uh, Carlo for the love. Uh, Chuck and Ruff for the love. Um, President Posty Russell wants us to stop bringing up We Will Rock You. (laughs) uh, Because he didn't follow up on his instinct, you see, to see if it was me in Peterborough when we were there. Um, So I, I, by, by, him not tell me not to bring it up i've been forced to bring it up and i think that's the way this is going to keep going i'll keep not talking about it by talking about it (laughs) although he did like the fact apparently i said i pissed myself laughing um (laughs) in in the bruce willis that's a very british statement and i was like did i really say that and i was listening for for quality assurance the the bruce willis roundtable and uh, i was it was when we're talking about armageddon and the little kid comes running out of the frame so yeah oh yeah yeah i did say that so well done (laughs) Um, he said, I also like the brief chat about the sixth sense. I saw it at the cinema with my wife and she leaned over to me 10 minutes in and whispered, I reckon he's dead. And I replied, <laughs> of course not. I've never felt like such an idiot. I, I went there. I don't think I shared the full story. I went there with my roommate, uh, Oscar. And, uh, it turns out both of us had had the film spoiled yeah. for us, but we, we didn't want to ruin it for the other person. So we sat there in silence <laughs> trying to respect the integrity of someone else's viewing experience. Only to realize, no, I was both, we were both in on it. So I, I, yeah, it's one of those things where, um, man, spoiler culture has come a long way in the sense that we were so like, yeah. no, I need to keep this. That was Conan O'Brien. I blame Conan O'Brien for oh. me not knowing that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he just flat out gave it away on the air. I was like, what are you I doing? 
Oh, I hate that. So that's why he didn't get the Tonight Show. Uh, oh, he got it, and then it was taken away yeah. from him. Yeah. I see dead late night hosts. Uh, Hermes has asked, has anybody seen Destination Wedding? Now, I figured this would be Liam would be the one who would have said, yeah, I would have seen this. But I said I would have asked the pod. Uh, I haven't seen it. It's got Winona Ryder and Keanu Reeves. I've heard about It's like a Netflix special. This, yeah. yeah. I heard about this today. And I, oh, really? I was like, yeah, I thought it was like a like a fake thing, like a joke. Because I remember there was that thing years ago that they'd gotten married on like the set of a film and it was like an actual officiant. I thought it was just that again. Yeah. Yeah. If if it's on Netflix. So I, I like Keanu Ruse. I, I guess Winona Ryder is contractually obliged because of, uh, was it Stranger Things? So. Oh, yeah, maybe that's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe they signed her some big money on the promise she'd do yeah. some other stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I'm not in a rush to have seen it. Some people went ahead and saw it. Like, Amy. Yeah. Some people went ahead and saw it like right away. And I was like, wow. yeah. Um. God bless you guys. I, I had stuff going on. I've been really busy the last two months. Like really busy. So I'm um, now on summer holidays. Life is golden. I'm uh, going to try to make the most of each of the, like I said, counted that like 42 days till I had to go back. So I made the most of all 42. Nice. Um, What do we got here? And that didn't involve watching Destination Wedding or whatever it was called. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Uh, yeah, gif- that involves catching up for who do you think you are at some point after I finished my research. That's right. Uh, GIF of the week. Um, it was green dress. Oh, you're gonna have to do the, you're gonna have to do the random word this week, uh, Ethan. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, Ian Davies did one about Marge and Star Trek. I was I was stunned he found <laughs> something that got was Simpsons and Star Trek at the same time. Well done, you. Wow. Um, something that I thought was gonna win in a walk was uh, Josh from Near Next Favorite Movie when he posted Rachel in the green dress from my one of my favorite episodes of Friends oh. ever, the one where no one's ready for a long yeah. time. That was my favorite episode of Friends. Uh, I think now it's one of all the football is my favorite but it's, yeah. it's right up there i love it's a bottle episode i love a bottle episode good bottle um, episodes are always the best yeah yeah and it was a really really strong one and uh the problem was that josh did it and then nate did it and then Dwayne oh. smith did it so <laughs> i think i'm gonna have to go no uh russell did something about i wish liam was here some weird guy on a rock i think it's from priscilla queen of the desert i could be wrong uh, cheesy posted something i have no idea um chris peterson posted the simpsons bart and Millhouse jumping on the bed in drag sort of and that was uh cute enough but um the winner the winner is uh there's a classic j-lo dress from back in the day where she wore to an award show and it was it was she was everywhere on that so my win for gif of the week goes to hey it's your sister hey so there we go cursed (laughs) i cursed one of her first gif of the week well done there um i just saw cheesies it's um it's from it's from Zoolander. It's oh, is it Zoolander? Character. I thought it might have yeah. been Zoolander. Actually, yeah. okay, is that the first one or the second one? I think it's the. F- he looks a bit younger, so I'm assuming okay. it's the first one. Um, and then anybody who wished Georgia or myself a happy birthday—that's birthday, birthday, woo, woo, woo. I think Georgia woo, woo, woo. Uh, put it as uh, thanks a lot, and including Ethan, uh, who wrote hey, a, a, a very heartfelt message to the two of us. Uh, I like being called the big boss. I've decided. Yeah. Uh, I really like <laughs> the big boss. I'm like, yeah, I'll take the big boss. The big, the, the big boss, the BFE. Here we are. So uh, there is that. So if you're out there, why not give us a review? Apple or Spotify. I hear five is a magic number. Five is the magic number. Very good.
Very good. I'm like, um, getting them all down. I got a couple of things I wanted to talk about for a couple of minutes, uh, yeah. which is good because we sped through the shout outs in record time this week. We're streamlining. Yeah, we're, we are streamlining. <laughs> we're making up for the fact that we're like way behind anyway on our, yeah. our recording timetable. <laughs> uh, there's there's, a, there's a, a bigger one. And there's a more. Here's my here's yeah. what gets my goat. OK, yep. um, have you heard about these 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 wannabe Quidditch players? Oh, that changed their name. Yes, yes. I did hear about because this, they're trying to distance themselves <laughs> from J.K. Rowling. So it's they're no yeah. longer. There's a bunch of grown ass men and women who are adopting Harry Potter robes and all the like to simulate while running around on broomsticks a game of Quidditch, but in order to distance themselves from J.K. <laughs> Rowling and her, what they say is her anti-trans stance, well, just anti-trans stance, I suppose, um, yeah. is we're going to not stop playing the game. No, no, no. they're not going to do that. So uh, we're going to use all of her ideas. Yeah, we're still going to do that. We're going to use her ideas and her stories as the basis for what we do. We're just going to call it quad ball rather than Quidditch. <laughs> Somehow a stupider name than Quidditch already was. You're you're not wrong. (laughs) This is the most performative non-stance on anything ever. I'm not. It reads like an Onion article. Oh, this is like I. I thought they. I really thought it was satirical. Like, what are we? This big stance. We're gonna stop playing it. No, (laughs) we're just gonna call it something else. In the trans community. No, we're gonna keep doing it. But we're just. It brings more attention to JK. Oh, my it's word. Still, it's still Harry Potter. And instead of going, oh, we're doing Cord, but what's that? Oh, well, you know Harry Potter, but instead of focusing on, like, granted, my, my opinions of JK Rowling aside, because the, yeah. the weird stuff she's been doing by like being like, yeah, I'm going to be friends with some, like, self-promoting fascists, sure. But it's it's a fake game where someone dresses up in yellow and pretends to be a snitch. Like, I I... I've recently got into football. That's a kind of silly <laughs> sport, but it's still like there are. Okay, I'll use this as a good example because the World Cup's happening in a couple months, and it's in Qatar, and there are a lot of queer athletes who are saying, "I don't like this because it's in Qatar." And th- instead of continuing to play football or rename it like Kixie 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 or something, <laughs> they're just going, "I'm not being in Qatar. I'm yeah, going to distance yeah. myself and help queer athletes around the globe." That's fine. That's so much better than going, we're going to still do it, call it a sillier name, and bring more attention to the person that we're saying we don't want really to bring attention to. Yeah, this is kind of like when the Olympics banned Russia, but, oh, let, yeah. but let the athletes play under the term the Russian Olympic Federation. Yeah. Like, I'm like, it, it, so it's a complete non change. Yeah. You've just changed the name. Oh, okay, great. What us. Stupid FIFA thing. started banning like the FIFA video game and like because of the, the, what's going on in Ukraine, we're going to make the Ukraine players a bit stronger and we're going <laughs> to we're going to get rid of the Russian players. Which is fine for me because my team is like a mix of Ukraine. Oh, players. stop trying still, to act like you know about football. I'm getting FIFA 23. Are you really? It's the final FIFA ever. Wait, what? It's the final FIFA game. They lost the license because EA wanted more money. Shut up! Really? Yeah, it's going to like EA. Um, it's like EA Soccer something. It's a it's a stupid name. Oh wow, that's insane. Um, so uh, this that was the first thing. I just thought that yeah. is the stupidest thing <laughs> so I have heard all week. I, I I even clicked on it. I'm like, do I really want to click on why Quidditch is trending? Do I really want to do this? <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, 
the most performative stupid thing ever. Yeah. Um, next thing, and there's something that you're probably more likely. You want to talk about phase five for a couple minutes? Yeah. Um, this this is like really great or terrible timing for me because I'm doing uh, like like just context for the kind of hilariousness of this for me. I'm doing an essay on uh, the MCU and like binge culture and like oversaturation of a market. Mm. And I, I, I chose Marvel because uh, I got like the runtime of everything and because um, you're incapable of being objective about star wars yeah it's a well that and they're, they're so it, it's easier for that and like i just talk about yeah, books no, no one cares no one cares about books unfortunately but uh the current runtime of the mcu from like this is like the, the the films and the disney plus shows so not any of those old tv shows it's four days four hours and 59 minutes wow and Inclu- that's not including the fact that if you want to watch i feel can we give spoilers now for uh spider-man and dr strange since they've been out for like six months ish um i'll tell you what, everybody if you don't want to be spoiled yeah. jump forward uh 90 seconds so ethan you got yeah. 90 seconds ready set go uh the existence of toad mcguire and andrew garfield spider-man mean that if you kind of want to understand that you've got to watch uh five movies there and the existence of uh in doctor strange of uh charles xavier played by patrick stewart means that technically in that multiverse of everything the fox movies are technically canon in some kind of way since it's the same face so you kind of going to watch like 13 movies there uh so i the mcu is getting really complicated and confusing uh I, now for and i i proposed the question in my essay is the MCU becoming con- like un- consumer unfriendly? And I would say yes. Oh, absolutely, of- absolutely. Yeah, because of what we're about to get, which is it's not just Phase Five that got announced; it's Phase Six as well. Okay. Yeah. In my opinion, the bigger problem is not even um, the films. The bigger problem is that you've put major plot stuff behind a paywall. Yeah. I've with still the Disney not Plus series. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm halfway through episode one. Um, yeah. It's not that I don't I, want to. I'm just I hope, busy. I hope to have some time now that I'm on summer vacation. I will probably mm. check out that series. Uh, I did see some stuff. Uh, I mean, Guardians, I'm obviously... Um, the ones that hit my... It's, it's the stuff that I know, isn't it? So yeah. Guardians, um, Volume 3, um, yeah, Captain America 4, sure. Yeah. But, of course, the big thing is the promise of the two films. The Kang yeah. is it the Kang Dynasty. The Kang, yeah. So uh, they were like Phase Six. The end of Phase Six will be uh, was it May the fifth, twenty twenty five? Avengers: The Kang Dynasty. And then, if you're not tired enough, in six months' time after that, on like uh, November sixth, twenty twenty five, Secret Wars. Uh, yeah, Secret Wars. And I went, oh, Christ alive. Because you've also got two products, two things between that as well. But this is, summer. I believe this is going to be like Endgame and... Um, oh, yeah, I've already said, I, I, I'm i pretty sure I know how Kang Dynasty is going to end. And I'm if it happens, go, okay, cool. If it doesn't go, okay, cool. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a two-parter. And I think we're going to see uh, the Russo brothers. I mean, they were interviewed talking about, hmm, that would be a big ask. And I'm like, yeah, I you did- got- you guys are totally today. doing this. Yeah, if I did say, again, I don't trust this man uh, within my <laughs> life at this point. But he was like, yeah, uh, the Russos aren't going to direct it. It will be someone else. Uh, sure, uh, I'd like to see someone else do it. But yeah. at the same point, like it, it's still event thing. But this is the thing. So um, phase four ends this year with uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which looks... Uh, I've seen the trailer. Yeah. Interesting, yeah, yeah. It looks neat, I think. Um uh, then there's phase five, which starts with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And the only interest I have for this <sighs> is Bill Murray's in it. Oh, really? Yeah, I have no interest get, in it, man. Oh, 
I, and I love Paul Rudd. Ma- yeah, we got Jonathan Majors returning as He Who Remains slash Kang in this. So this will be his, oh, okay. his, yeah, this will be his movie debut. And he, yeah, the only thing that we get is he's like, oh, are you an adventure? Have I killed you before? So that's where we get uh, all the Jonathan Majors goodness. Uh, okay, now my interest is slightly peaked because yeah, I mean, he's yeah. the guy I'm really invested in. Yeah, uh, Marvels, which which is the Captain Marvel two slash uh, Marvel uh, was uh, Miss Marvel uh, sequel. Yep. Thing. Uh, Ironheart, Blade, Blade, November 2023. I'm somewhat excited. I, it's something I, different, I, at least, yeah. Yeah, all I know is that he showed up in a post-credit of Eternals, apparently, speaking to Kit Harrington. That's my only knowledge of Eternals. Um, oh, is that Blade? Yeah, yeah apparently. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Captain America, New World Order. Then the Thunderbolts, which closes out Phase 4. All of this is from 2023 to 2024. Sorry, is that close out Phase 4 or is that close out Phase 5? That cl- sorry, that closed up phase five. That's uh, a really quick yeah. phase, if I'm being honest. But I yeah, guess well, I guess with the presence of TV, you can speed this stuff up. Well, phase four is 2021 to 2022, so it's about like two ish years. Okay, they're going so quickly. Someone made a post being like, phase one to three took like eleven years, yeah. and this is in the space of like five six years. And then phase six, which uh, we know three films, which are the two Avengers films and Fantastic Four, and then eight other show uh movies and shows between all of those which all come out 2024 2025 there's a bit this is a lot it's it's a hell of a lot and then there's also all the animation side which people class as canon and not canon and i so are those all t- overwhelmed are those movies all tbd the eight that you mentioned but we didn't talk about yeah those okay. are going to get announced uh next month as okay. far as we're aware at d23 the disney oh, d23 yeah 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 marvel's always very good and disney's always very good at drip feeding and keeping yeah. it in the news and keeping it in the news cycle and knowing just how much uh to drop so you generate buzz and so good on them good on them mm-hmm. uh i think this i mean this by the time we get the secret wars one though and maybe I'll be sitting yeah. here going, they got us. They're fantastic. Kevin Feige, he 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 knows everything. Or yeah. I'll be sitting there going, yeah, you've 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 miscalculated here. This has been classed. Uh, phase four to six is classed as the multiverse saga. So this is going to get so much more yeah. confusing the more we go on and overwhelming for new audiences. Because there will be people who we said. I think we said this when we saw Doctor Strange. Did you need to watch WandaVision? Yeah, probably. Yeah, you did. But it was it as impactful? Kinda. Uh, it's this like weird blend. They're they've monetized. Yeah. They've monetized fear uh oh what what's it called? Fear of missing FOMO. out. Yeah. They've monetized FOMO. So I don't want to be in the in the show, I don't want to be at the movie and not know what everybody else knows. So I have to do this. It's like playing once you the worst thing you can ever do out there, folks, don't ever pick your own lottery numbers. Don't do it. <laughs> Never yeah. do it, because the minute you pick on these numbers that are mine, then you're forever going, what if I don't play them, and they come up, and you're driven by that fear. So same same sort of concept. Don't monetize fear. Yeah, the only thing I'm interested in, honestly, that was all announced was um, the Daredevil show called Daredevil Born Again or something, and it's a, it, you know what? I'll give the, we, I think we said you don't have enough time for this, and every, every show is like six episodes long. This is going to be 18 episodes, so I'm getting, I'm, Vincent oh. D'Onofrio can just do whatever he wants, and I, I, I'm I, I can't remember who the director was. The director who's doing this, the writer, did some really bad stuff. Yeah, I'm trying to think. It was really low quality, whatever. So I'm I'm both nervous and somewhat intrigued. The MCU is so overwhelming for me, and this was 
my my bread and butter. The reason I stopped reading comics was they got so complicated. If I wanted to read Spider Man, I also had to read like seventeen other yeah, superheroes I that. don't care about to understand the continuity. This is becoming the same thing, and I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I think this will just lead to either the end of the MCU or a finale or some Ugh. kind of reboot to make it easier. Uh, You'd have to think that's the answer. I'd hope. You got to think if this is the multiverse saga, because your good IP has been spent. And you got Daredevil, so, I guess, coming out. So, like, not dead, uh, the X Men at some point. Like you're sort of doing a soft reboot of Captain yeah. America with Falcon. You know what I mean? But really, yeah. what do you want? You really want to never go with Steve Rogers. You want to do what Batman does. You want to wait five years and recast. You want to do what Spider Man does. You want to wait five years and recast so how do you do this you end the multiverse saga with a a completely clean playing field and you go all right who's the next generation let's get iron man on the road again well that seems what they seem to be doing like the younger people aman Villani, tom holland uh the girl who's playing riri riri williams was like the next generation of iron man all that kind of stuff so the the, the seeds are there um but again, how how long do these people want to do the same thing? Yeah, well, as long as people are willing to pay for the same thing. How many Batman movies you paid to see? I paid to see a bunch of them myself. Yeah, if they secret wars it, and that just means that we're going to get, uh, it will end with some kind of new world that's that's exactly that's, exa- that's exactly what I think they're doing. And then we'll yeah. keep, you know who you can bring back? Not someone else's Iron Man. Someone else's Tony Stark. Yeah, that's the answer. And then I think, and then I think you have a chance for people to go, not my MCU, and you take your exit. Yeah, you have two sagas, two stories, whatever, and then you can. Most people, I think, a lot of people dropped off after Endgame because that was a pretty solid clear end. If you do that again, that's fine. If you left after Endgame, you're totally fine. You're you're walking around going, I feel really satisfied with how that all ended. (laughs) I had a friend who watched uh, Doctor Strange 2 and he'd only seen and like he'd finished after Endgame. I hadn't seen anything else. He was like, what the hell? What is any of this? Um, so there's, like I said, consumer friendly is becoming a, a term of the past. Um, let's talk about what else was a term of the past. And that is air. Get off my plane. Air Force yeah. One. 1997 American political action thriller film about a group of terrorists who hijack air force one and the president's attempt to rescue everyone on board by retaking his plane why are we doing this it's the 25th anniversary ethan is this the first time you've seen this yeah i knew about this because my dad used to watch this every single summer along with a fugitive i I think he just had a bit of a crush on harrison ford um (laughs) the only thing i knew about this film was just get off my plane yeah yeah, that, that's my only knowledge, and I think that's the only thing that's going to leave my brain. Well, it was directed by Wolfgang Peterson, who's also done Das Boot, The oh. Neverending Story, which he also wrote, props to him, wow. in the line of fire. So he likes presidential sort of Secret service uh. movies. Outbreak, I love Outbreak. The Perfect Storm, Troy, and Poseidon. So it gets a little bit worse towards the end. <laughs> Um, written by Andrew W. Marlowe, who also did End of Days, Hollow Man, and the TV series Castle, for what it's oh. worth. Wait, the um, I guess like Nathan, the detective show with... Uh, Nathan Fillion? Or, yeah. yeah. Huh. So yeah, he wrote hey. that. Um, cinematography by Michael Ballhouse, who was also done Beware of a Holy Whore, wow. Satan's Brew, 
The Color of Money, Broadcast oh. News, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, The Fabulous Baker Boys, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Outbreak, Wild Wild West, Gangs of New York, and The Departed. That like went really high up, then you got to Wild Wild West, but then you brought me back in with The yeah. Departed. Yeah, and, and Gangs. And gangs At some point, we'll yeah. do Gangs New York. I really yeah. like Gangs. Um, and then the music by Jerry Goldsmith. Now, I think Jerry Goldsmith might be the most underrated uh, um, composer in American film because I never hear his name brought up with the greats. And when I tell you some of the things this guy has done, his first credit was in 1953 for a TV film called The Clay of Kings. But he's also done the TV shows The Man from from Uncle uh, or The Man Called Uncle, whatever it was called, The Waltons, Alien. Star Trek The Motion Picture, The Secret of Nim, First Blood, wow. Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Rudy, LA Confidential, The Mummy, and even does the fanfare that accompanies the Universal uh, every time there's no. a Universal thing. So you'll be able to hear this, Ethan, because I couldn't get it over to my yeah. computer, uh, to the board and top, but I'm going to play it right now for anybody listening at home. So he he wrote that. Imagine that That's being a, he's a banger. That as far as they go, I mean, it's that. I mean, what are the big ones? You've got that. You've got um, you've got the That's roaring. Like, you got the roaring lion, which isn't really yeah. music. And then you've got the yeah. oh, one note though. <laughs> I'd throw the I'd throw the Disney one in there because like everyone oh, remembers that dude. Yeah, yeah, but it is like you did, they're just like taking so a, many variations. But that one is. But, just, but but they are just taking a song they already wrote and just repurposing yeah. it. Like this, this is, is that was cool. Yeah, yeah. How did its debut with uh, Jurassic Park: The Lost World? Wow, of all films, you can't you can't necessarily get history there. Um, so uh, not a lot of context corner. All I have here is that Harrison Ford went before the MPAA and appealed to have the movie re-rated to PG thirteen rather than R, but they refused. This attempt was inspired by the successful appeal to re-rate Clear and Present Danger in 1994, also starring Harrison Ford. I guess a Jedi mind trick works only once. Only a couple times. Yeah, so it was released as an R film, R-rated, on uh, July 25th, 1997, and this is where we begin our deep dive. Beacon Pictures. I don't remember Beacon Pictures very much. I'd never heard it was it was also a really weird logo. I've never It was seen a really weird for logo. Yeah. I'll tell you what, the most boring font on the credits ever. It was like Times New Roman. <laughs> it really was yeah. just blue Times New Roman. I was like, all right. Uh but I got to give it up for the theme. I mean, I, I tell you what, Ethan, I love movies about the president. I, I just do. I love movies about the yeah. president where the president's a main character. I'm all about that. And I love movies that are basically diehard. And that's what this is. I love you get people into place, a hostage yeah. situation. I love a hostage movie. Hostage yeah. movies are great. So you give me that. You give me a plane, a moving vehicle, and you give me the president. Oh, I'm all in on this. I think that I have like a guilty pleasure for. Have you ever seen White House Down? Uh, is that Gerard Butler? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's I've like seen the first this, one, but on speed. I've seen, wait, is that Olympus has fallen or is that White House down? Oh, it's one of them. I've seen the one with, with Gerard Butler and Aaron Eckert as the president. Now I might be thinking of a different one. Is Denzel Washington like, the president? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the other one. So you probably have seen uh, what? That's White House down. I think. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because there was that one, like, they were like, there's the Fallen trilogy, and we go to Washington, and then London. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, is that, is that Olympus? Hang on, that's the other one. Isn't that Olympus has fallen? London has fallen? I forget. Yeah. It's some, something. I don't know. That's the problem. Hollywood always makes two of something. For every Armageddon, there's a basic instinct. For every, uh, (laughs) Bugs Life, there's an ant. For every Dante's Peak, there's, there's a volcano. I saw a volcano. I didn't see Dante's Peak. There's a shark tail. Yes, exactly, right? Yeah. So, um, the score I thought, I thought the score was really good in this film. I felt it was very 90s, but I felt it was very good in this film. It was one of the things that I latched onto in this film because, like, I didn't get bored, but it was, I, I kind of let it wash over me. But every time, like, the main theme was going, I was like, oh, I'm, I never mind. My, my adrenaline's pumping again. Like, it, know, it knows when to take its cues. And I, I appreciated that during, like, sort of slower, quieter parts. Oh, there is no subtlety to this score. Yeah. Like, like, if it's like time to feel scared, it was like, it was really weird because I was listening with the volume turned fairly high up because I thought the sound mixing was a bit, was a bit off on the version I was watching anyway on Prime. Yeah. And the dialogue was really quiet. So maybe it's because of all the whispering because they're on a play. But I was cranking it, and the score would come, and I'd be like, "Down, down with the volume, down with the volume." I had this. Uh, it was. It wasn't the score. It was like the sound effects of the plane because I watched it on Disney Plus, and their sound mixing was like a little bit. I was on Disney Plus the, as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. It was like a bit weird. The sound mixing on Disney Plus is always like so so. So I was like, okay, yeah, I got some dialogue, yeah. and it was just like, Neow! yeah. We we found that out when we watched it. Was it like in Canto where we're like, does anybody yeah. make out the words she sings <laughs> in the first song? No one does. <laughs> Someone went, yes, you do. And then they came back to me the next day at work and they were like, yeah, I gave it, give it a rewatch. Yeah, you can't make out the words at all. I went, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Jerry Goldsmith, not the first choice for this film, for the score. No. It was actually, <laughs> ready for this? Randy Newman. What? <laughs> he of Toy Story. We're on a plane. Someone's got my wife on the plane today. There'd be a song at the end. I almost want that now. I do kind of want that. But no, Wolfgang Peterson felt that his score was too serious. To the point of being unintentionally funny. So Jerry Goldsmith was hired at the last minute and had 12 days to come up with an alternate score. So if you consider this was 12 minutes, that's amazing. Good job. Newman used, took the score he had, went home with it, and reused portions of it in Toy Story 3. <laughs> what a world. I, bet that's, I, I know exactly what scene that It's got, it's got to be the bit with the incinerator, scenario. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, for Goldsmith, a task proved too daunting of a time available, so he brought in Joel McNeely to write music for several sequences based on the themes he'd already prepared. After it was released, Goldsmith publicly stated he would never accept the replacement score assignment again. And welcome to Kazakhstan. This is my first probably film inclination that Kazakhstan was a thing. Long before Borat, wow. we had Air Force One. Uh, we got some night vision parachuting and sniper fire. I don't know about you, Ethan. I've watched it this time. I haven't seen this probably since it came out in like 97. Um, I was convinced these were these were the bad guys coming in. I was a little bit lost. I was like, are these these are the bad guys, right? These are the bad yeah. guys doing over over kidnapping someone. That's not cool. And then they're like, oh wait, hang on. Oh, those are the good guys. <laughs> and they kidnapped a bad guy who was sleeping in his bed. That was his. It, it really does frame him as kind of being yeah, kind of innocent. The shots are all sinister, and the music, like it's very, it's very, very intense. And my knowledge of this, like, was obviously it's a hostage from like, oh, the bad guys are gonna show up now. They're gonna do something. So, 
uh, we, we've got the bad guy. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, okay. I was yeah. Just, yeah, because like in most movies, like The Rock or anything like that, you start with the bad guys starting yeah. their master plan. As opposed to, here's a prelude, because this guy, like, you could have had him in his jail cell. And that would have oh, been anything. enough. Yeah. Ranting about I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bomb them all, and that would have been more effective. Because yeah. really, this guy was almost like a, a, a silent. He they only decide in the third act to go. Should we make him a character? Let's make him a character. Let's let's at least have him do some stuff. Until he until I saw his face. Oh, it was really. brutal. Oh yeah, it's him. So Moscow three weeks later, and we're like, oh, it's the good guys. And King of the Good Guys is uh, the big boss. President James Marshall, played by Harrison Ford, Obi-Wan Kenobi, not Obi-Wan Kenobi, Han Solo, <laughs> Indiana Jones himself. Deckard. Yeah. Deckard, very good, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, yeah, we got a lot of Harrison Ford on the pod in the last few months, yeah. actually. Yeah. I, th- he's, I think he's definitely, he's probably going to win, like, the, the resties, uh, the besties or whatever for, like, most appearances at this point. I don't know if we have one for that, but yeah, but we, yeah. if I look at it, yeah. But pr- there's always the game I play, who's been in, who's been yeah. at least three, whatever. I that's what I meant, yeah. Yeah. Uh, President James Marshall, uh, originally this role was offered to Kevin Costner. Oh, okay. That makes sense in this time frame, because it's hard to believe it now, but in the early to mid-90s, Kevin Costner is the biggest movie star probably on the planet Ooh, okay yeah wow. kevin costner keep in mind he's done the bodyguard he's done um oh come on he's on J- he just did, he did J- jfk the bodyguard and dances with wolves all in really quick succession oh, with each other okay yeah okay that makes sense and so the guy's sense. like he's the guy you want for a massive box office movie and he turned it down because he was busy doing the postman which is one of the two mega movies he made that bombed his career Oh, and oh so yeah it was the postman and Waterworld were the two and it was just i think Waterworld oh. came first and then the po- oh it was, yeah. it was bad um so the script was given to harrison ford who then accepted it and so they're trying to celebrate and congratulate harrison ford uh james marshall for um the combined effort to take out um whatever the guy's name was i have it like a million times later on in the in the uh, thing uh do i have it here what was his name his name was Oh, it's uh, Raddick. Oh, yeah. So, um, but they're like, hang on, we 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 waited, and uh, you know, he said, the dead remember our silence. The dead remember our indifference. We acted too late. We their regime killed two hundred thousand people, and we watched it on television. And we get a lot of exposition about the backstory of our, and this wasn't bad. There's some times in this movie where exposition gets said in a variety of ways. This wasn't bad. And it makes sense for a speech like this. Like I did a pre because this felt also it made me like inclined to him like, oh, so this is a present with humility oh, and yeah. like integrity. I'm like, okay, let's see, let's see where we go from here. Real peace isn't the absence of conflict, it's the presence of justice. I'm like, this is some good I love me a presidential movie. This is some good president script writing yeah. here. He says he's gonna change foreign policy to do what is morally right. And the only guy not to stand up is his chief of staff, played by Paul Gilfoyle, who if you recognize him out there, anybody, he was the boss, Gil Grissom's boss on CSI for about a decade. So I was like, how do I know this guy? And then I looked him up and went, oh, that's how I know that guy. I had a couple of those moments during, during the film. There's a few. There's, yeah. there, there's one guy I couldn't figure out, and I'll see if I can get some help uh, from, from yourself or from the great listenership here. The people who live in the microphone, I'm going to give you a chance to help <laughs> me out on this. 
then we meet Igor Kurashov, played by Gary Oldman. How do you know he's a villain? He's got a goatee. Uh, a goatee. He has a nondescript European accent. Oh, and he's Gary Oldman. You see, this is what gets him that role in uh, Hitman's Bodyguard. I'm oh, convinced of it because yeah. he's he's it's much the better. Same guy. He's much better in this. Oh yeah, he's so much better in this. They both do scenery, but this one's yeah. It's this it, like you can tell it's that he, he's in the same film. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As opposed to the other one, uh, Gary Oldman's performance earned him a nickname "Scary Gary" on set. However, oh, he didn't stay in character between scenes. In fact, he was the opposite. He was uh, he was actually quite humorous. Uh, Wolfgang Peterson, the director, later said he called the filming experience "Air Force Fun" because of how comic and you know kind oldman would be off screen he said that oldman would suddenly return to his menacing film persona uh like a shot though and so oldman was here making his money from this to help finance his own directorial debut so he knows what this is he's here to be the bad guy in in, in a cliche action movie and you know what um this isn't just someone doing like an imitation of uh oh what's his name um from from die hard oh hans gruber hans gruber so i just doing a hans gruber impression here he's doing he's doing his own thing and i really thought yeah. I, I think he's really good i think he's really really good in this i think as well like because you know because when you know what it is it means that you you can have if you're having fun it comes up on the camera and the audience whatever he's on he's like a beam of light for yeah. me in this like, let's keep in mind this guy's gonna win he's at least won one oscar for for best yeah. actor is he yeah like yeah because it, it was uh he goes from doing this to doing doing Churchill. Yeah, like he's Darkest Hour. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I think he's even been nominated for Oscars, but like long before that. So like this is a legit guy. You know what I mean? Uh, we meet Deputy Press Secretary Melanie Mitchell, played by Donna Bullock, who I thought was really good in the limited role here. Mm. Um, she's based on the real life tour guide that they the, the, the producers had for Air Force One. So yeah. Aww. Uh, and let's meet air force one initially uh director wolfgang peterson was denied access to air force one that changed when harrison ford called the white house <laughs> wait who's the who, is, is it clinton who's the president this point? clinton's the president when it comes out oh, okay. i'm trying to think let me do my timeline here uh reagan is uh, from 80 to 88 george herschel walker bush is 88 to 92 yeah clinton's 92 to 2000 Oh, okay. So he's president throughout. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's like you can use my saxophone as well if you'd like. There we go. <laughs> That's uh, my only knowledge of Clinton, really, other than the Lewinsky stuff. Because Lewin- Monica that Lewinsky. The only thing that the two thousands were like, he played the sax. I grew up with Animaniacs. They were always like, he plays the saxophone. He's yeah. so cool. He, he famously played a saxophone on Arsenio Hall. It was a huge part in getting wow. the the young vote. And then also, yeah. I, I believe Clinton was very popular with black voters. So I think mm-hmm. you know Clinton was. Uh, he, I mean, he was up against like george herschel walker bush like everybody's grandfather you know like george herschel walker's wife barbara bush was it barbara yeah i think barbara went to war with the simpsons like she's the old fuddy-duddy and clinton's on arsenio playing the sax you know what i mean (laughs) so um we get uh, uh, Air Force One, let me said. Uh, a large part of the crew did take a tour of the real Air Force One before filming. So Kurashov, uh, Ivan, uh, which is um, Gary Oldman's character, is shown around Air Force One. And uh, this was informed by the, by the actual events. of It was kind of the same sort of concept. And the tour guide gives us some necessary exposition we'll need for later in the film, which was very well done. You know, you could run the country from this plane. So we get the stakes of this plane. Mm. 
And then there's a running gag where the president just doesn't want to find out who won the football game and everybody's got to tell him. And I'm like, this would make sense, except for he's near the end of his first term. The idea of don't tell the president the score of the game probably has come up by now. Yeah. The idea of it, you know, don't ruin it for him. But sure enough, they do. And it humanizes him. He likes because this is important. He's one of us. He yeah, likes his sports. People. And in a minute, yeah. he's going to have a, be- a bottle of beer in his hand. So he, he's, yeah. he's, oh, he's a good old American boy. Um, let's meet Grace Marshall and Alice Marshall. Uh, Grace is the wife, played by Wendy Crewson, and Alice is the daughter, played by Liesel Matthews. Um, Wolfgang Peterson mentions on a DVD that he enjoyed working with Liesel because she was able to cry on cue. Um, I think she was very good. I don't think she's very well written or directed. Yeah, whenever she's scared, like she works as a good hostage, but like the scene with her and Harrison Ford at the first, I'm like, okay, that's cute. And then it never really happens again. She's sort of just there. She's She, she exists as stakes, I feel. You're not wrong. Uh, there's a good yeah. scene. I mean, she's there so we can get the scene with Gary Oldman later, which is great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and you get some little like tidbits. You know, she wanted to go to a refugee camp. And uh, she also says, Dad, I'm 12 years old. I'm like, well, there's an organic <laughs> way of telling us how old the little girl is. Can't make her a teenager yet. She's got to still be a child, but still be, you know, bright. Um, Ford uh, is sleeping. He looks like Liam whenever we watch a movie. So next time I'm going to jump on him the same way she jumped on <laughs> Harrison Ford. Um, Grace, his wife, uh, tells Ford he's a good president. And, you know, you do, you do what's morally right and you do you do this and you do that. And he's like, yeah, you know, remember our first, it was really straight. Like there's really, you don't get, remember our first campaign. Oh yeah. Nobody, but me and the driver thought it, but you did it. Cause you believed in your, I'm like, this is okay. This is bad exposition. Yeah. Hey, do you remember our first campaign? Cause you wouldn't say it like that. You go, Hey, remember 1978? Yeah. yeah. yeah, I remember that. yeah. And no one thought, yeah, no one thought. Cause you wouldn't speak the full details because you both know it as a shared history. You so, are a good president, yeah. and I'm going to tell the you're a very good president, and everyone thinks you are nice. It was one step away from her looking at the camera and going, you got that, guys? <laughs> uh, Air Force One takes off, and there's a pan from uh, one suited guy sitting down to a briefcase, and then it pans over further. We see the handcuff, and this doesn't really actually develop that much in this movie. No. Because they're, they're the nuke codes, aren't they? They are, they are nuclear codes, yeah. yeah. There's some more, I have a note on that in a minute, but yeah. Um, we meet Major Caldwell, played by William H. Macy, who clearly did this before he became famous for Fargo. Yeah. It, so, I saw him was like, oh, what? Good to see him again. Yeah, I think it's only our second William H. Macy on the pod. I think, because I, I think the other one is Fargo. It's just Fargo. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and then we meet Agent Gibbs, played by Xander Berkeley, who Liam popped when he was like, oh, Xander Berkeley. And I'm like, who is it? He's like, I don't know. I just see his name everywhere. And I didn't, I have never seen this guy, I think, in a movie since or before or what the deal is. He did not make an impact on me. So Xander. Um, yep. X-A-N-D-E-R. How 90s is that? So Todd Voigt in terminator 2 todd voigt no don't know. I looked at, nothing of here that i've really no no he's been like the walking dead show for a bit like there's sure. nothing that's springing like a real nah but we follow him which we haven't done yet 
we haven't done yet. We saw him when the president gets on, and we focused on him, so we go, he's important. But then we follow him, and we're like, oh, this is weird. We haven't been aligned with this character's perspective yet. And then he walks into a room, and he shoots all the other Secret Service guys, and then we kind of begin. And the music, the score instantly goes in that 1990s. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so um, he then grabs a smoke grenade, and he throws it, which is the signal for the Russians to come and get the armory, which he has unlocked. Really, really clever strategy. We don't need to bring guns. They got guns there. Now, why does Gibbs turn? Well, there was a story on that, but it was cut from the final product. I'm not sure it was that good, but it was the idea that since the Cold War ended, things hadn't gone so well for Gibbs. And so this was him fighting against, he wanted the reestablishment of the Soviet empire so that there'd be a Cold War to continue with. Now, none of this makes sense if you're the president's like head of Secret Service. Yeah, because things have worked out okay for you. Yeah, like these, like I've seen uh, plot like plots like this before. It's like, oh, this person has ties to merchant dealers, and it means that they'll get more money by selling it, like the weapons. That that's that makes a bit more sense. But saying if we not of this another war, yeah, not of this another war, so I can make money selling weapons. Yeah, don't think too hard about why he why is he doing this. I don't know. <laughs> um, so um. They, the Ever Secret Service guys who are left rescue the president, and we see Alice looking brave and not nearly scared enough. Dad! Bang, bang. Okay, we get it, Alice. You're the brave one. Um, they send word to Ramstein German Air Base, and they're about to land. For anybody who's not obviously here, I literally just put my hand like it was a plane and brought it towards the webcam so Ethan could see my like hand airplane like, yeah, landing. Yeah, no, I know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, I've seen planes before. You know, I know how this works. <laughs> Now, there's a guy there. He's a black actor. He's probably about 40. He's got a mustache. He's in everything. And I couldn't find him on the IMDb list where it puts their pictures beside it. So I wasn't about to go trolling through every name. He's in all. Oh, he's amazing. He's He's yeah. such a kind presence in all the movies he's in. I wish I knew who he was. So this there's is what people on the microphone. I need I help here. Yeah. There are three actors that I always have this with. There's this one guy, and he he always plays like the slightly larger, like nerd with the curly hair. I watched the Tom McGuire Spider Man again the other day, and I was like, oh, he's in this. He's yeah. in community. He's in everything. There's like three people that they're just never gonna know their name. Yeah. They're, just an, they're just an extra that's in everything. He might be in Die Hard with a Vengeance. Come to think of it, maybe. I don't know this guy. This guy. Uh, I'm just. I might. I might. I might take a screen cap of it and put it out there and go, who is this guy? <laughs> um what do we have next here i've got my it's very warm in the uk again today uh we we did have like that crazy heat wave last week and then um it sort of dissipated finally and uh, because we almost shut down schools and stuff midweek and well some places did close down schools midweek i couldn't get to my local shop because the road was melted yeah, like we're just not built for this heat. Yeah. And so then um, we've had some relief. But then today, out of nowhere, it kind of snuck off back up into 30 degree temperature. So, But it's like really windy as well. So like I open my windows to let some fresh air in and then everything's flying. Yeah, then, then that's all right. Yeah. But then yeah. the minute you're, you close the windows, you're trapped with this still air. You don't get that relief yeah. anymore because the humidity is still insane. So... Um, so uh, there's this guy who his name I can't remember. He sends F-14s up there, and the president looks like he's been put into emergency pod, and it's released like in A New Hope, um, and off it goes. And just like in A New Hope, there's no life forms on board. 
<laughs> there we go. Um, so during this scene, apparently um, Marshall Harrison Ford shouts out the football. So the football is the code term for the briefcase with the nuclear codes. Okay. Um, it's carried by the White House military aid, um, and it's got launch codes for nuclear weapons and other information. We did see in Washington that a new guy shows up with his codes. I think they're recycled out every six hours or so, um, so that the the codes are always, you know, fresh. Mm. Um, there's also code footballs that accompany the vice president, which we saw, and one that's always at the White House. The aide does not have to handcuff it to their wrist. that's just a little cool thing for a movie let's meet the vice president played by glenn close who plays katherine bennett katherine bennett Uh, i thought glenn close was good in this yeah i've just discovered who the uh the ramstein sof officer played by tom barry who's in the fast and the furious and too fast too furious as agent bilkins and he's also in like space jam independence day this is tom barry yeah he's in everything yeah T-H-O-M- Independence Day might uh, be how Barry. I know him. Sorry, T what? Yeah. Uh, T-H-O-M. Oh, T-H-O-M. Okay. Yeah, so like Thom. Yep. Thom. There he is. That's who I'm looking for. Ah. He was in a, He was in an entire series called Cold Case. So I guess that's... Oh, Cold Case. That's how I know him. He's in Cold Case. Episodes. Yeah. I love Cold Case. That's how I know him. Ah. Oh, it's brilliant brilliant yeah, yeah. it's like just a guy that sort of just appears in the background it turns out they have a, a real prolific like film history no it's a cold case I mean, he's on a lot of tv hasn't yeah. he jeez he's on a lot of tv yeah cold case is this great series they did where basically um they dig up uh, he was part of his eight this this department the cold case department where you would take a look at, take a look at old crimes and uh, as you look at the old crimes, they'd sort of do flashbacks, but the flashbacks would be like usually in, in sepia or some sort of so you could distinguish oh, okay. them. And like you have music at the time and all that stuff as he tries to. And there are always these sort of moments where like the people, the ghosts from the past would like to be able to like see them and off they go. Oh, he was. Oh, he's so good. Good shout, Tom Barry, and good shout, Cold Case. Cold Case is great because it let you play with all sorts of concepts, but the thing was it was always bringing, like, justice to people who had long since died, and so, yeah, it was kind of like dealing with ghosts. It's, you know, it's it's nothing. It's kind of like a Law & Order kind of CSI kind of thing, but it was a a really unique spin on it. Oh, now I'm happy. I thought about Cold (laughs) Case. Um, Glenn Close was a last-minute casting decision to play Vice President Catherine Bennett. She wore a wig because her own haircut at the time was too short for the role. I'm, I'm assuming you recognized who this was. I did when I did the aging. I went, oh, Glenn Close. And then I went, I, of course, of course it is. You know, but you know who Glenn Close is? Uh, yeah. Well, see, the thing is, I mainly know because she's in Guardians of the Galaxy and like just a load of Oh, she is in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. But come on, she's, she's Cruella de Vil. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the big thing. The big thing for the big thing for people our age. Yeah, like if you get a little bit, oh, I think she was in like something like Fatal Attraction or something like. Like she's in something. Like, yeah, she's in some. She's in Dangerous Liaisons, which is great. But I mean, everybody knew her my age and, and under pretty much. She was the first live action Cruella Deville. Yeah, because of course she is. She looks like her. Oh yeah, she's Fatal Attraction. The white. Yeah, Fatal Attraction. Fatal that was it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, oh, she's home as mom in The Simpsons. Is she really? Yeah, she's Mona. Oh, there you go. That's the thing that gets your attention. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, 
She says that uh, she only made one objection about her character in the original script. Direct quote. They had written a scene of her breaking down and crying. And I said, I will not do that because I thought we'd be doing women a disfavor if we had that cliche moment where she breaks down. Um, which makes a lot of sense. You know, otherwise yeah. it just proves all of the misogyny sort of correct. That's she does think she's the vice president. She does tear up later in the film, but I'm like, yes, that means she's human. Yeah. Harrison Ford tears up at points. Come on. Um, so that was 1997. I'd like to remind yeah. you, it's until 2020 before America actually votes a female <laughs> vice president. I was like, I'm just saying. Weirdly progressive. Woman. Very progressive. We'll make her the president. That's a bit too far. I will make her the vice president. <laughs> that makes sense. He got there eventually. Um, I've got my notes. Why is it daytime? This makes no sense if he's watching a football game that happened that day. I do have that it's 10 hours between um moscow time and washington time so i guess the question is what time is he getting on that plane in moscow does it feel like it feels like like afternoon ish oh it's dark when he gets on the plane in moscow like, remember oh, the women yeah. went to the, the the women went to the ballet he went to a big yeah, state dinner the, the meal yeah but so even it, still if he's getting on at like, midnight it's 2 p.m yeah, so yeah. it's all fine yeah. it's all fine um so uh Ivan realizes they're landing in, in Germany here and starts to freak out. And we get to this moment between the two pilots. Says, no matter what happens, we land this aircraft. Is that understood? And that guy eats a bullet pretty quickly once Ivan makes his way into the uh, cockpit. <laughs> Does pilot number two try to hit the brakes or try to? I thought he was complying and moving it forward like he was going to take off again. I think. I think because it's so sudden. Yeah, I want to say that he's like complying because his friend's been shot and doesn't want to die. But, but then they shoot him in the back. I don't know, and it doesn't matter because that they, means. I guess that means that he did. They brought their own pilot with them. So if you have brought your oh, own pilot yeah, with you, true. why not just do that at the start? Why do you wait until they land to go in and go? We're gonna fly the plane. I love these. Like this plan has a couple. Oh, I've got a lot of notes snags. about. I got yeah. a lot of notes about what, what. What are they doing here? What are the they doing end here? Game of this, honestly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um. The Russians have to put the plane in the air, and it's farcical. It's absolutely farcical. <laughs> like they're like go, like cutting across lanes. They're taking out trees. The look on this this one guy whose role was just just look scared or and or menacing the whole movie. <laughs> The pilot guy. He looks legitimately Russian. He gives uh, Gary Oldman some cred by, like, standing beside him. Um, he managed to get the plane in the air, which I guess we all want to have happen because otherwise everybody dies. So I guess oh, that's a plus. Like the, the sort of, like, blonde guy with the beard? Yeah, he's got, like, a beard. Yeah, this was the guy that made me go, oh, it's him, because he's, he's Spider-Man's rent guy from Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man's rent guy? Do you mean his yeah. landlord? Yeah, his la- was a- no, but like, no, I say that because his only line that he ever says is rent. Oh, where is my rent, <laughs> Mister Dickovich? Yeah, and I was like, it's it. it's the it's Spider Man's uh, landlord with the with the daughter. Yeah, yeah that's for all the daughter. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He's in Spider Man Two. You said Spider Man Two and Three. Yeah. Oh, I'm hoping I can find him because I want to see what this guy's name is. It's like. It, I know it begins with a Z. Oh, he'll be like, the Russian guy in the cast, I'm yeah, assuming. Yeah. Uh, Bill Nunn. Oh, Bill Nunn. God bless Bill Nunn. I'm um, looking. Oh, I can't find him. All cast and crew. Hoping, hoping, hoping. Um, yeah. So, uh, meanwhile, oh, I. Liar Baskin. Oh, okay. 
Aliyah Baskin. Yeah. Aliyah yeah. Baskin. I'm gonna look for Baskin. Here we go. Control F. Fine. Baskin. B A S K I N. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's take a look. Let me find it. Uh, Elia Baskin, Mr. Ditkovich. What else have you been in, sir? You have Trent. been in Joel. Yeah. Mc- I saw Joel McHale was in Spider-Man too. Shut up. Yeah. Shut no, all the, the way up. I watched. Are you I, serious? I, I binged the Tobey Maguire movies uh, the other night just because I had nothing to do, and I was like, "Oh yeah, Joel McHale's in this." That is insane. I am just looking to see if there's anything else I know this guy from. I just found out they remade MacGyver. I didn't know that was a oh, thing. Yeah, Heroes, Criminal Minds. He's got a lot of TV work, isn't he? He's the kind of guy who would yeah. just show up on TV as you know Russian, Russian criminal number number two. Yeah, his main claim to fame literally is like just online memes of his character and Spider-Man going, "Ren, I want my red." He had a slight recurring role on a uh, on Mad About You. I used to love Mad About You. Tell me why I love you like I do. Tell me who. Oh, he was in the Lee Harvey Oswald episode of uh, of Quantum Leap. Love Quantum oh. Leap, and Quantum Leap's important because it's going to get brought up in a second here. So just remember that. Um. So um. Yeah, Khrushchev finds out that President's not on board, and he handles it really well. Gary Oldman's like, yeah, <laughs> he just sort of screams. He's great. And then back in D.C., the guy from Quantum Leap. And Glenn Close talk about how they could have taken Air Force One. The guy from Quantum Leap, whose name oh just escapes me now. Um, um, oh, where is that? He's the main guy, isn't he? No, he's no. not the main guy. He's the sidekick. He's the guy with the computer all the time. Was it that Ziggy? Yeah, yeah, he's Ziggy. Very good. Uh, Dean Stockwell. Dean Stockwell. Ah. And so Dean Stockwell is the, is the Secretary of Defense, I think. Mm. Something like that, yeah. And they talk about how they could have taken um, Air Force One. We could, we could have gotten to it. And then we, they have the brief, briefcase. On the plane, Gary Oldman wins all the winning by putting a gun to the first lady's head after he says that Ford won't negotiate with terrorists. No one plays unhinged like Gary Oldman. Gary oh, Oldman's amazing. So uh, on the ground, we find the pod is empty, and I'm okay with that, even though it kind of sus- was everything we suspected. I'm not sure we needed the reverse shot. So we get a shot from inside the pod, looking out at everybody else, looking at going, where'd he go? Which was kind of like funnier than it needed to be. Yeah, bit too corny. Yeah, I think so. Uh, there we are. Um, what do I have here? Sorry, Liam is just messaging me some stuff for the end game. Um, President Marshall is, of course, on the plane and first contact has been made between ivan and the white house and they go who are you he says i am the man in charge of air force one the most secure airplane in the world great way to introduce yourself (laughs) uh what does he want nothing big he just wants the soviet union reassembled please (laughs) america on its knees uh but first of all let's release the general who they took at the start of the movie. And if not, every 30 minutes, he'll execute a hostage. I'm sorry. I love these stories. This is great. It's a good race against time. A race well against time. It, your race against time is 30 minutes, but you know you're going to lose. You know we're going to we're gonna narrow down the field by a few people. There'll be a countdown of some sort. We'll cut away and we'll hear a bang. Oh, it's great. I want to say guilty pleasure, but I'm not, I'm, I have no guilt. But no. It's like, me, it's like me with heist movies. Even if they're terrible, I'm, like, yep. I'm, having, I'm having a good time. Um, it's just a good trope. Yeah. Uh, what do we have here? Um, <laughs> there's this guy in the situation room. He had curly hair. 
And his job was to say the most cliche thing in the most unconvincing way. <laughs> and so when they when Ivan hangs up, he goes, damn it, nobody does this to the United States. Oh, but they get word the when escape. It's, corny, it's so good. They get word the escape pod is empty, and they're like, "Well, clearly they've killed them." And I'm like, "No, you would mention there wasn't enough." Like the story in this, the story and the script are both kind of rough. Yeah, like this is much better than the sum of its parts. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they go. So where's the president? And this is where they should have cut it and had the president coming out of wherever he's been hiding. Yeah. But instead, they go. Oh, he's dead. Until a general at the back. It was this. It was this. Another black actor comes forward and says, "This man was," and he just reads his CV to us. Do you remember that scene when we did The Rock and this one guy, uh, it's the guy oh, from the West yeah. Wing, tells us, yeah. you don't know what we've done to this guy. And he like gives his whole backstory. That's what this guy was doing with, with Harrison <laughs> Ford here. This guy. And you know what this guy was? This guy, this, 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 he's in the situation room. He's a general of some sort. He was, a, he was a black actor probably in the sixties. He was just right about everything in this movie anytime he spoke he was right so whatever his role is he should be vice president of the united states yeah he if if uh if ford did die then glenn close becomes president he just gets to become vice president at that point absolutely yeah he should have um so um marshall now is on the plane he's ducking russians and watching football back in dc they're talking through their options but the the president puts the 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 sound for the game on so it distracts one of the russians to go over there so we can sneak away then there's a full-out like wrestling match in one of the side offices and nobody hears this there are russians patrolling every like eight feet of this plane and nobody hears this um the president fumble he knocks the guy out with it with a stool great shot Then he fumbles with some keys and a trained Russian extremist terrorist misses a free shot from about eight feet away. Is this when he's in like almost like not the bunker, but he's sort of underneath and he's just firing like sporadically? Not this. No, no. He's fumbling with some keys to get into like uh, some sort of a locked room. And a shot goes right right by his left side. It's the first time he kills someone. He turns around and he, because he's got the Uzi from the the, the guy who who he was wrestling with and he shoots him dead and he takes him home but i'm like you were eight feet away a you missed the shot and b i'm pretty sure your boss wants him alive which they couldn't make up their mind if they wanted them alive or not in this movie but clearly they did for what the plan is it only works if the president's alive yeah um uh he then then a couple of them go and they shoot out some toilets this is where it's kind of sporadic yeah, yeah, yeah and again i'm going don't they want this guy alive and it turns out he crawls down the cargo hold with some product placement of some Budweiser. Now, I don't know. At no point do they show us how the room he dives into gets to the cargo hold. We just go, okay, you're there now. It does. It, it's, it just does even. like It's just a lot of the, the mapping of F, I'm sure it's supposed to be like completely accurate, but it's also just... It's like video game logic. It is video where, game logic. But like you'll see it from the outside, and looks really tiny, and then it's like seventeen miles worth of interior. You just get that. Um. So, um, three minutes to the first hostage, and Ivan says it's time and enters the conference room. He calls to the first lady. Then this national security advisor volunteers to speak and says, look, the vice president can't get theater tickets. Let me. I'm the guy who does this. And he shoots him in the head. 
No. And he says, your national security advisor has just been shot. He's a good negotiator. He just bought you another half hour. <laughs> I'll say this. For my problems with the story, there are some individual lines that are fantastic in this movie. I... See, it is kind great. of like twist your mustache kind yeah. of villain stuff. but Look, I was kind of letting the film wash over me at this point because I'm like, this is getting a bit ridiculous. That happens. Like, I'm back on board. I want to see him do more stuff. Yeah. Um, he takes, Ivan takes the first lady and Alice with him. The president has found a mobile phone. Um, first off, I'm saying about the little girl. Well, you wanted to see refugee camps. It's about as real as it gets right here. Yeah. And so then there's this weird thing where Ivan has to get the president's daughter to admit she's a monster like him. And in a modern world, I think we look at the scene a lot differently and we go, yeah, he's probably got a huge point with everything he's making here. Yeah. Yeah. This is the, th- there are a lot of movies and shows that do this. Well, like, I, I always throw it to the Falcon when it's soldier because like, yeah, no, you want to do good things. You want to have more of an open, open borders and free aid for, for refugees but we need to have you kill someone because yeah. we can't have the audience get too many ideas. Yeah, no, no, no. So uh, he goes, so you think your dad's a uh, a monster just like me? He's killed people. Not like, oh, no, he's killed people. And then he goes, he goes to the, the first lady and says, tell her to answer. And then she goes, leave her alone. He goes, shut up. It's like, <laughs> well, which one is it, Ivan? Tell her to answer or shut up? Um, Ivan tells Alice that Marshall's a killer as well and she goes you are a monster and my father is a great man you're nothing like my father this just felt like and I'm sorry to our American listeners this felt like every raw raw sis boom bah I'm an American you can't do this to me speech ever we've got the spirit and the power we're gonna do it <laughs> America's the greatest country in the world why because it is but why uh, Yeah. don't ask me that <laughs> If you don't like it, you can leave it. It reminds me. Have, have you ever seen like comparisons of chants at like American football games to like British ones? And they're most like fight and win, fight and win, power. And then the British was like, "Your mum's a slag." And it's it's like just two different. It's that same kind of variation for me. I have to do these speeches before the year 11s go in <laughs> to do their exams, and I am like, I am like the high school American football coach, and I am like, be better today than you were yesterday. And I'm, I'm, Ted Lasso I'm like, moment. yeah, I'm I'm, to- I'm Ted Lasso. I am the yeah. guy with that gung ho believe kind of mentality in a world full of people who are too cynical for it, and it does yeah. work. It does work. They kind of go out and they go, that was real inspirational, sir. And I'm like, thank you very much. Uh, but yeah, it is this idea where I'm like, I am not playing to the, like, I've got to, I got to pull out the natural British cynicism out of them before I can refill it with optimism and like effort. Yeah. Cause trying hard is a bad thing here. <laughs> I don't know why, but it is. We just like to be miserable and moody. I think yep. like whenever I look at the news, it's always like, there's an epidemic happening. Good. <laughs> the world's on fire. Good. I'll tell you what, though. She goes, you're nothing like my father. And he then kisses her on the forehead. <laughs> I don't, I want to believe this is a Gary Oldman choice. If it, well, he knows how to do insane. There's a skill to playing a really great villain. Yeah. Um, I played a few villains. Usually I play the smarmy kind of like funny villain. And that's not hard. That's not hard to play that one. But when you have to play the legit villain, like I once played one in uh, in Oklahoma, and uh, the stuff that 
because generally we directed that ourselves i think yeah. <laughs> generally uh the things that we came up with which i wasn't given any instruction on but i was like how can i make him because he's my character was gonna die and i'm like i need to make sure that no one's rooting for me when i die because it does like it's completely yeah he gets completely shafted actually but like how do i can you know condition the audience to be okay with the fact i'm about to die in a few minutes and so i'm like what could be slimier than this and i'm so i'm breaking up this couple who's just gotten married because i'm in love with the uh with with the bride and there's rumors that i've been back in town because they saw me drinking and uh i come on and i stagger in and i say i haven't got to kiss the so i, I kind of wipe my mouth with my hand Oh, it's this made me physically recoil. Oh, Do you see that? We, we, we yeah. there? Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. And so I did that. I went first, and then I wipe my wipe my hand against my mouth. And I went, oh, I'm gonna kiss the bride. And this, I remember this one time. This woman in the front row went, "That's so gross." <laughs> she, uh, I, I didn't break character, but I was thinking in my head, "Good, that's exactly what I want you to do." <laughs> it's that thing I was like, I was watching like, "Oh, that's my good friend Ian." I don't know you anymore. Oh, I had some colleagues there, and uh, <laughs> they told me afterwards they were hearing people talk about me and going like, "He's so horrible." They're like, "He's our friend." <laughs> <laughs> the woman who played Anne M, who I have to bully pretty severely in the second act, she was asked by some people, "Is he really like that?" At which point, <laughs> what's she going to go? Yeah, <laughs> he's an asshole. That's why we asked him to do the part. <laughs> no she's like no he's so nice that's the opposite you know, of who this guy is Ian and gary oldman are proof that you don't need to method act no you don't need to be a method act. jeez that's that's oh why don't you just try pretending to be someone else it's a lot yeah. easier <laughs> it's your job uh where are we at here uh the president gets a signal i called bs until they said satellite phone and i went maybe okay. so they have one satellite phone between all the luggage like if there was one, shouldn't there be like five? I'm, yeah, I'd yeah. want to have backups and just make sure. Or extra bat? I don't know. It, it was or it was just, the late nineties. The battery dies. How how old were you when you got your first phone? I'm trying to figure out when your first experience of a phone would be. See, my, mine was different because mine was like because my dad was in hospital all the time, so I was using it. It was more like a this isn't for fun. This yeah. is just so it was. It was like 2006, and it was a Motorola flip phone. Flip phones. It was I, flip phones. Yeah. My my main memory of that was I got to play the Prince of Persia, um, like phone scroller. Oh, they were so terrible. bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> flip phones have that nice clack when you hang up yeah. on someone. Clack. It was. It was. It was. Now it might not always like actually hang up on someone, but you get the nice sound as opposed to just yeah. I'm gonna push my screen. <laughs> you don't want to push that hard either because you might crack it. So no, I'm just gonna push my. Screen. It's not the same. That's why people got so excited with the DS, because like with the Game Boy, you're just like holding something, but you can be, I'm gonna open it up, and then I'm opening the world. Wow, it's so cool! And then you can <laughs> shut it, and it's sleek, and goes in your pocket. I and then remember. You drop it, and the screen breaks. My sister had a was it a Motorola? It was this black phone with bright orange text on it. A few people had it, and we're talking. This is like '98, maybe. Yeah. And uh, I remember I was out with a bunch of friends at something once, and I had a can of Coke in my pocket because I did. And then a couple hours later, I noticed some like liquid dropping in my pocket. I'm like, oh no, that's my. Phone. I'm like, oh no, the phone's in there. And this thing's like, a, it's like a brick. It's like it's a yeah. giant phone. And uh, yeah, sure enough, it uh, it it completely broke the phone. And then um, I was just like, you owe me a phone, so I bought her a new phone. 
Now, by that point, this brick didn't exist anymore, but I bought it as other thing, and it came in like a can. It was so strange. It was like, rather than a box, it came in like this cylindrical tin. <laughs> and uh, she didn't like it. It was newer, but she didn't like it because it wasn't like the old one. Because sometimes you can't win, buddy. That's what that is. And I know she <laughs> listens to this, so that's okay. Sometimes you can't win. Yeah, you ruin the phone. I felt really bad. But I'm like, I can't get you back that phone. I can buy you a new phone. Let me buy you a new phone. And I knew it was uh, going to be bad the second you said it came in a can. Yeah, well, the, the, the coat came in a can, so why not? Yeah, <laughs> but that that was more when it went from the big ones to the little, uh, yeah. little sort of stubby massive. phones. Yeah, no, yeah, it was like a little stubby phone that you could play like like Snake or something on. It was yeah. it was the dominant style for a few years. Everyone's like, yeah, you can play Snake in the the brick one and Pachinko and all that. I'm like, okay, I just. I just wanted to try and type like a sentence and it would take like 30 minutes. So the president phones uh, the front desk of the White House and she doesn't believe him. And he tells her to trace the call. And she goes, fine, you want to get a federal case out of it, which I guess it would be if you pretended. (laughs) Finds out. It's a funny little moment. They didn't belabor the point too much. It was all right. And then he puts the phone in his pocket because he's being held up at gunpoint. Listen to me. You know who I am. I'm the president of the United States. And then he sort of tells everybody how to respond. Look, if if you, even if someone were to fire on us, it wouldn't kill us. It would just knock us over a little bit. At which point, Glenn Close goes, he's not asking. Your commander in chief has issued a direct order. Uh, <laughs> that's not a direct order. That's that's actually the farthest thing from a direct order. What You've had to infer what you in, think that's he means. That's a very indirect order. That's an indirect, it's, it's an indirect suggestion. At the very yeah. at the very most, I mean, so no, he has not given you a direct order, and yet they go, yes, ma'am. I'm like, this is not how this. No, an order is you do this. Yeah, no, I'm not buying this. Um, but the missile causes the computer to fly, which is somehow different from the autopilot. It says autopilot disengaged, but then the computer flies. I'm like, isn't that an autopilot? I don't know anymore. It deploys something called a chaff, which the missile explodes on and knocks the bad guys off their feet for a moment president marshall pulls a roddy piper and puts the bad guy out in a sleeper hold and then he gets on the phone with uh glenn close and they talk about you know what you know what happens if you give this guy a cookie and she smiles and goes (laughs) they'll want a glass of milk and i'm like yo guys the met this cute metaphor this ain't time for that this ain't like let's smile about it people are dead he even said to her like jack mccoy's dead or whatever the nsa's name yeah. guy was it's like oh no and then 30 seconds later we're like milk and cookies milk and cookies <laughs> um ivan stares at the first lady and alice while thinking to himself about what to do about this guy because he knows there's someone doesn't now at what point do you have the president who's just said you know who i am i'm yeah. the president of the united states and you don't go hey i got the president here <laughs> Like, this is so stupid. You um, a, you, you're holding it hostage. You've got everyone else. <sighs> you're firing with lives. Yeah, the president might be running around, but you're going to fight him at some point. Well, you don't know. They, they think he's gone. They think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But but the one guy knew. Like, he knew. Yeah. Like, there are people who've yeah. seen this guy up close, and no one's like radioed back or done any sort of a, I've got, like, just shout. You don't need technology. Just use yeah. your voice. Oh, shoot him! It's not Air Force One. Shoot I can hear people in like at least the other the other side of the plane. Shoot him in the calf. Yeah, he's alive, but he ain't gonna run around doing wound stuff with you. Yeah, wound to wound. Wound to wound. wound. That's it. Oh. 
you know, shoot the hostage. Speed, right? Shoot the hostage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First thing you do. Um, meanwhile, James Marshall is staring at a hole in a carton of milk that he had to hold right up in case we missed the close-up on it. Uh, Ivan has called Melanie Mitchell to join the Marshalls. Uh, he interviews her and puts a gun to her head. And this is really well done, actually, because they broadcast this to, to the whole plane. And so this is the Secret Service agent in the baggage deck, and they count to 10, and every number they cut to someone else, it's wonderfully edited, this part. On the whole, I think the film's edited really well. A, yeah, I thought it was going to be a fake out almost. And when it wasn't, I because the, the gunshot, obviously, you don't see the bullet go through like you did with um, the other guy. But somehow it's more impactful because it just it echoes. Yeah. It echoes through the entire hole. So we've established that sound travels in this plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the wrestling match that happened earlier, <laughs> just saying. At the very least, you'd be like, it's not a gunshot, but what's that ruckus? Go, let me go check how Sergey's doing. It's definitely not turbulence. <sighs> Um, so this scene, the crew felt uncomfortable having to film this character's execution because they based it on a real person they met. Oh, no. Yeah. So the explicit filming of the execution of press secretary Melanie Mitchell was omitted from the final cut as Wolfgang Peterson thought it was too intense. You know what? If you're not going to have the blood splatter everywhere, then don't. Then do it where you just get the reaction shot. It's much more powerful. Yeah. Because instead, up to interpretation. Instead, the camera is on um, Harrison Ford and his reaction to it, which I think is much more powerful than just watching some actress we haven't we don't know that well and just watch her fall over. Because they're not going to show you like you know the, the gray matter all over everything. Even if it's like the daughter, because that's even especially after the conversation. Yeah, that would be good. She just said, "Oh yeah, I might be a monster, but your dad's technically caused this." Yeah. Uh, the chief of staff finally speaks up. He wants to know which Secret Service man is there causing problems. William H. Macy's like, he's our only hope. That's <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi, my friend. Yeah. But uh, he says he's a guy with one bullet, so he's going to take his shot. William H. Macy. I love underdog plucky William H. Macy. I just do. Have um, you seen Shameless, uh, the show? Because that, that's his I entire character. No. This is his entire character. He's just like, I'm a bum and I'm useless, but I'm still fighting the good fight for myself. <laughs> He's married to Felicity Huffman, who got done for that scandal in the States about bribing college officials. Oh, oh yeah yes i remember hearing about that was that like 2019 2020 yeah the same one that got the woman who used to be on full house Lori laughlin yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so um marshall's in the phone with someone talking through how to cut the fuel line and he goes come on hurry up and he goes well you cut the wrong wire and the plane will crash he goes well we don't want to cut the wrong wire now do we and uh, he finds out one of them to cut, and then he's like, cross it with, and the phone dies, which is the case of anybody who's ever had an important oh, phone yeah. call to make ever. Um, and says, I'm counting on you, red, white, and blue. America. Uh, this is like, I, I'm gonna, I'll say it later on as well, during the end game, I'm sure, but this is like proper American blockbuster just, just, summer flick. Just on behalf, on behalf of the rest of the world, America, a lot of flags are red, white, and blue. Yeah. The UK, France. <laughs> Russia? <laughs> Italy, All red. I think. Pardon me? Is Italy? No. No, Italy's green. Yeah. But red, white, and blue is a fairly prominent combination. Slovakia? Yeah. I want to think. It's a different shade of blue, but yeah, New Zealand? Yeah, yeah. Australia? We had, well, we had the red, white, and blue of um of the UK as well, because there's like two flags. Oh, I said that, Great Britain. Yeah, 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 yeah. So lots of red, white, and blue, guys. Just saying. I know you guys put them in all your songs, but. uh. <laughs> 
when you were fighting Great Britain for your independence, that was red, white, and blue versus red, white, and blue. Just, just, um, just saying. I want a high octane like summer blockbuster in the same vein of like these American ones, but it's just like it's like France or the UK <laughs> or like Germany. Or they don't work. Or they don't work if it's the UK because of that cynicism we talked about. Yeah. Um, because you know you have these symbols and like you can rally Americans under a symbol. You really can. And I'll say that as mockery. If anything, I wish that the rest of the world was a little bit more like that. Um. Yeah, uh, the idea that you can get people to believe in something here. Oh, it's just far. It's far too cynical. It really is. Um, it jettisons the fuel, but within like a moment, they're like super easy, barely an inconvenience. Yep, I stopped that. Can we get a fuel plane up here? Yeah, we can get a fuel plane up. Okay, done. Like I was like, all right, so we just padded the movie by 15 minutes is all we've done there yeah uh president marshall has a bad guy go under um the, the thing but he managed to take him oh, while they're running around down in the luggage cart he gets up and manages to sort of uh, hold the gun to the lookout and um that's how he gets into the boardroom where all the hostages are whatever and he gives this gun to gibbs who we know is the bad guy <laughs> and is he gonna do anything with this wait an hour wait yeah. an hour before we decide what we're gonna do with this He's going to wait until he's in clear view of at least the other team oh, trying to get it into makes the no other one. sense. Shoot the guy oh, in there. Oh, it makes no sense. <laughs> William H. Macy has an idea about transferring people to the other plane. Another woman has an idea about fax lines as opposed to phone lines. And he goes, if this works, you'd be postmaster general. Kind of ironic considering fax kind of gets rid of that stuff. They yeah. fax through instructions and no one sees it. Here's my question. The sound a fax machine makes. Did anybody ever see this fax? I don't think so. Because Liam and I were looking, and I went, did they ever see the fax? And he went, no, I think it got cut. So they left Mm. in the part where the fax comes out. (laughs) They ever saw it, but they don't get the part where someone goes, hey, what's this? (laughs) So um, the Constitution expert comes in, and the Secretary of Defense thinks he's in charge. They ask, is the president still the president if he's under duress? Um, at which point someone goes, hey, everybody, look at this. My all-time worst pet peeve of a movie ever. Here is the thing I hate about movies. Ready for this? When yeah. someone goes, look at this, and you turn to a station that's just going, we now interrupt this program for our special report. Well, how did you know to turn to the channel? Oh, yeah, you're going to have this, the sixth sense. I've, there's like that gagging community, I think, where they're, like, they're listening to the radio, and they're like, oh, we need to wait for a while before it happens. With films and all that, you can be kind of lenient, but not when you're a benignant. Yeah, and so they turn it on, and it's a CNN statement, and they actually got to use CNN's real studio, so that was kind of cool. The fact that they actually got to go into the proper CNN studio for this. Um, So the question about who's in charge is actually based on a real-world controversy. After Ronald Reagan, um, there was an assassination attempt on his life. He is shot. Uh, so when he's in surgery, the vice president and the speaker of the house were temporarily out of pocket, whatever that means. So the secretary of state told the press he was temporarily in charge. But that was because he was unaware of a change uh, that inserted someone from the Senate in the line of succession ahead of the secretary of state. And the gap was very brief anyway, because the vice president wasn't knocked out for that long. By knocked out, I mean just out of the picture for that long and immediately stepped in. And it uh, shone a negative spotlight on um, Alexander Haig with accusations in the press of a power grab. And he resigned shortly thereafter. I was like, geez. <laughs> in Britain, you just sort of laugh it off and go, 
Well, another, we've got a job. To, we've got a job to do, and we'll continue with the job. We'll get it redone. I don't know what redone means, yeah, but we'll know. find out. Uh, there's a press conference because they think the plane has crashed, and all they say it's been hijacked, and they want to pray for the safety of all those on board Air Force One. This clues in Ivan because they haven't mentioned a dead president yet, or that they found the president. So it, therefore, he goes, he must be on board. Um, there's contact with Air Force One to reduce speed and altitude. So this is what was on the facts. But at no point do we actually see them see the facts. We just see the plane reacting to what the facts said. They sort of just like learn it like through osmosis almost. Like yeah. it's, just, it, it's beep. It had to have been cut. A fax, unless like the news, the news article, a fax was sent with all of these like <laughs> pieces of information that you need to know. Uh, they open up the parachute bay and the hostages jump out. Uh, Gibbs says he's staying with the president, which is the president's like, good job. And this is one of the, like the thing with Gibbs, like this is really good, this dramatic irony that we know he's a baddie. But the president doesn't know he's a baddie, and the president trusts him with all of everything. Yeah. That's really well done. I appreciated yeah. the camera work in this. Uh, the score is really quite good here. Uh, they blow the door. Uh, oh, this is because, oh, the bad guys just watch them leave, and they can't get in. So they take like, this canister, jam it in the door, and fire at it, which knocks like three people off the edge anyway. Um, and so... Um, during this time the plane is being refueled the refueling plane catches fire and quickly explodes the president would easily have third degree burns from this oh yeah like it would be so hot he would be fried to be fair the president is like a super huge like he can he can do everything uh the the terrorists take marshall and they say we now have um we now have, oh, before this, William H. Macy and the guy from CSI team up to save the president, as does Gibbs. So at this point, if you're Gibbs, you could have shot the th- the two other guys, thrown them out the back. Yeah. Like, you had, here's your moat. Like, why doesn't he do it here? So much time. Oh. And, like, no one even has to find the bodies. They just flew out the back. What happened when it exploded? They fell out. Yeah. Yeah, dead easy. But then we can find out, but they, you know, the terrorists take Marshall and then, um, you know, the public are told that he's, he's been held, taken under, under hostage. Uh, the guy from Quantum Leap asks the library cop from Seinfeld if he'd sign the incapacity order. Now, we were told clearly, if a majority of the cabinet sign, then it's in order. Yeah. And it happens. Um, at this point, though, you don't need to sign it. He, we've literally been told he's been taken hostage. <laughs> like, this is a moot point now. Now yeah. someone else should be in charge. <sighs> Then we have a fight between Gary Oldman and Harrison Ford. It's two old men having a scrap. I, I love it. I like to say the first rule of Flight Club oh, is you I do know. not talk about Flight Club. God damn it. <laughs> when I thought of that, I was like, I'm so happy. Uh, Harrison Ford and Gary Oldman are actually really hitting each other during their fight scenes. <laughs> When, when Gary Oldman was slamming Harrison Ford up against the console and beating him up, when the scene was over, the director yelled, cut, and Gary Oldman stood back with his head down and said, I can't believe I'm beating up Han Solo. <laughs> uh, the whole crew found that very funny. Uh, Ivan wants Marshall to choose between his wife and his daughter, which one lives and which one dies. Marshall says he'll never give up Raddick. Uh, he says, I can't give you, I can't get you. The one thing you want is thing I, I don't have to give. Uh, and this point, like, 
it's interesting because I, I think there's more to Ivan in his story. He says, you call this freedom. And I thought it was, I'm from the evil league of evil. I, I eat yeah. evil pizza and all that stuff. But he says, you've given my country to gangsters and prostitutes. And then he spits in his face. Yeah. But this idea, like you, you call this freedom. My country's gone down the crapper mm. before. Yeah, it was it, say what you want, but there was order. The people in charge were at least, yeah, they were strong willed people. You didn't step out of line with them though. So I thought there was a nuance to this that you're not going to explore in a big blockbuster, but I, yeah. it wasn't just, I'm, I, it wasn't just, I'm evil. Ha ha ha. Twirly yeah. mustache. And there's also the argument to be like, you, you stopped this. You could have helped us instead of leaving, but yeah. look what you've created. That kind of stuff. So it's calling. He goes, no. And in case you missed it, he went, no. <laughs> and he goes, he grabs his daughter, puts the gun to her head. One, two, I'll do it. To which point Liam thought he said, do it. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> Bang. Oh, you it's have an accent. It's fine. We have different accents. It's hard to understand. <laughs> uh, the president calls then to the Russian uh, leader to free Radic. Uh, in Washington, D.C., Dean Stockwell makes the legitimate case that the president's acting as a husband and a father, not as the president. And they say, here, you have to sign this. And she goes, no, and closes the folder. They don't need her signature. We were told a majority of the cabinet, not the entirety of the cabinet. She doesn't need to sign it as an executive order. This is above her station. This is, we need a majority. You set up the rules for us, a majority of the cabinet. If they said a majority of the cabinet and then you sign, then we have this. And I would have no complaints. But you just said a majority of the cabinet. That's it. That's it. Oh, this is so dumb. You th- there are so many films that have this problem, and you just go, it's a single line you could have written, yeah. and you don't. And you've written yourself into a corner, which you didn't need to. And she goes, no, no, I won't do it. And I'm like, wait, what? what, what you? It's, it's not about being Bessie mates. You know what I mean? This is about, like, it's a bad idea. He's got too much. I, 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 yeah. He's literally done a speech about how we do not negotiate with terrorists. Right. And so what are we doing here? We're putting him in a situation where he does exactly that. Yeah. Because of the stakes. You need to take this out of his hands and put it so we can continue that we do not negotiate with terrorists. We will use strength. We will blow up Air Force One, whatever it is you're going to do. But this does not line up with any other part of the movie <laughs> besides the audience wanting to go. Yeah, you, you, you believe in Harrison Ford. So do we. <laughs> I love film. <laughs> It is better than I'm making it out to be, but this is a massive plot hole. Um, Radic is released, and somehow all the other prisoners know why he's been released. They don't think he's just being moved cells or he's being taken to an interview room. They're singing like their like their anthem. Yeah, they're properly cheering. It's like, it's like, like they announced. Everybody, please say goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> now leaving the building. To help bring back the Russian Soviet economy, it's him! And then everyone's like, let us go, you said you would. And Ivan's like, uh, I lied. Now, why do you say this now? Why not say it when you're on the ground? Why not say, I don't know. At any point. I don't know. You know, kill them. Yeah, so uh, it, it turns out you gave him a cookie and now he wants his milk. The very thing he said not to do to the vice president. (sighs) <sighs> the Russian president is knocks his flag off his desk. It's kind of funny. Mm. Uh, Radic signs. He signs this book and his military uniform is waiting for him. 
I'd like to remind everybody he was taken in the middle of the night when he was sleeping in his bed. He would have pajamas waiting for him, not a military <laughs> uniform. He sleeps Quick, in his uniform. Get his military uniform just in case we need to spring him from jail at the last moment. Uh, the president cuts himself free because he's been bound by like duct tape, which is clever. Yeah. But he finds a piece. He finds a piece of glass and he's been sawing, which really seemed to like ineffective. Actually, I thought he should be yeah. piercing the tape more than rubbing against it, trying to slice it. But that's just me. Because he's doing it for at least like five to ten minutes, yeah. and wouldn't this have been the greatest like like letdown in the history of film if it turned out we're like all these shots of him doing it because the minute they do the first one you're like okay he's gonna get free that's what the movie yeah. that's what the movie's telling you right yeah. but imagine if it just didn't happen <laughs> or just like silently you just sort of hear the sound of it and it's like what are you doing nothing yes. and then you just just move him to like more solitary or just tape it tape his hands up properly he accidentally well it's, it can't be worse than what was that was it wandavision where like they take him aside oh, and he yeah, like gets his tie wraps off yeah and oh, he's like, I ha- oh yeah he steals his phone and he yeah. also steals a paper clip and that is the most hor- doesn't get caught that is the most he- horrendous just just look, look just 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 get him out of there just, i don't care what you have to do just, he escapes how i don't care you guys figure. hey new guy you figure out how he escapes would you we'll leave that with you and he's like two feet away oh. from the i had i watched it a bit before um one division because my girlfriend hadn't seen it and i was like Oh no! This really wasn't as good as I as, as I remembered it, and that's saying something. Who's waiting for Monica Rambo? I still want to know that. I think it was supposed to be Krasinski, and then oh. like, what, what if what if we did something else? Um, the president does cut himself free. He attacks. Uh, someone shoots at the president, and the chief of staff takes a, a bullet slow mo style. Nice. Mm. Uh, back to the parachute bay and there's this whole thing they wait till they get to the parachute bay and then ivan takes the gun and says i will shoot your wife drop your gun you could have done that the whole way through the luggage cart <laughs> you're shooting at each other you could have gone drop your gun or i'll shoot your wife. oh this was stupid um the first lady attacks and all ivan so then and, and knocks the gun kind of loose and then, and then marshall grabs him and they wrestle right by the edge let's remind you Ivan's got the last parachute on. Yeah. He can literally grab his arms around Marshall and roll off the plane and then let go of them. And you've still got a parachute. Yeah. Yeah. This is stupid. Uh, instead, that he tries to choke him out when he's smaller and lighter <laughs> and not American enough because Americans are better at fist fighting than any other country in the world. Mm. um so instead he wants to choke him out but marshall ties ivan up in his own parachute pulls the ripcord so it strangles him and then says the iconic i mean it's a great line for a reason yeah. get off my plane radic um is that shot mere moments before reaching the waiting helicopter uh because that's not going to cause a more extremist response because it feels like you set him up to execute him through like a dummy execution, like a kangaroo it's, court. It's not like one shot. It's like it's a firing squad oh, it's from brute, yeah. every angle. And the Situation Room celebrates with the most extreme 360-degree pan yeah. I think I've ever seen. <laughs> and it was like everyone naming like the best things ever. Radix dead. They've got the plane. We got Subway for lunch. And they're just going around <laughs> in circles. <laughs> that's a valid response to be fair i do love i love me some subway i do john oliver did a giant hate piece on subway i'm like i really like subway 
I'm a I'm like a purist with food sometimes, and I know I should hate I should hate Subway for like the chemicals, but I they put good stuff in the I, bread, I, I, and I it's like nice. It. I like it's I'm like when just, I'm yeah. at Disney and they put like the smell of cookies in the street, and I'm like, I know this is this is like bad, <laughs> but goddamn, I love a cookie. Um, have you heard that like in um on buses? I think it is in the Boston area. Like I think it's Dunkin' Donuts has paid money for like donut smell to be no. like sent in the in the in the buses so that's that you smell. That's very Boston. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who's who's gonna be in Boston? Be like, oh, I didn't think about getting Dunkins before. Dunkin' Donuts now in Boston. I, yeah, now yeah. I better get my donkeys. Uh, what do we have here? So get off my plane. Um, and then we find out the person's gonna fly because he was a pilot earlier. We mentioned that the guy when he came forward and gave us his CV, he mentioned he was a pilot. And all of a sudden, hey, there's six MIGs out to intercept you. And this is where you go. Haven't I had my big payoff? I watched my villain. Isn't this enough? I paused for a second. And it was like twenty nine. Yeah, you're like, left, what else could went, happen what? here? Yeah. What else can you do? Er- and then there's another one as oh, well. Yeah. Like, like when we're trying to cross to the other plane. Earlier, we were told that a rocket wouldn't cause an issue. And now they're all a real threat because it was just yeah. American missiles that aren't going to be an issue. Oh, geez. So the first one, they do some countermeasures, and then they're out of count. You had enough for two missiles. That, Air Force One, the most secure plane in the world, enough countermeasures for, 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 for two rockets. Uh, like From what I hear, I've heard, like you could be on Air Force One, and it's like a completely sustainable ecosystem when it comes to technology like it's e- i'm pretty sure it's like emp proof and everything like it can get yep. through yeah it can withstand a lot it's only when we- our heroes need the intervention yeah. then it's the most secure plane ever when the bad guys come then it's 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 like you're making a cup of tea in a chocolate teapot it's very yeah. vulnerable <laughs> um so they get hit and before too long, the MiGs are taken out in relatively short supply by American F-14s, but they needed to get hit for the end of the story. One day during filming, two F-A-18 fighters appeared, and they radioed in a surprised report that the plane they'd been asked to identify was Air Force One, and there were bullet holes in it. These were actually the decals used after the shoot 'em up kind of thing. Oh, no. Air traffic control in L.A. said, we know about the filming. You're all right. Leave them be. <laughs> <laughs> Some random guy in an F-14 just totally gives himself up to the president. And all the president goes, we're still here. Like, no one takes a beat for this guy who's, like, sacrificed himself. Uh, you can tell the evil ones because they're lit by green light. Our heroes yeah. have, like, white light. Yeah. Uh, and now they can't land the plane, but we're going to tell the president, you did great, sir. You did great. <laughs> uh, everyone's stumped. And then that same guy, that same guy in the back who's gotten everything right all movie says, I got an idea that just might work. <laughs> like they should be going to him first all the time. He should be that guy. If to be also, if you're that desperate, you're going to be wanting every single idea, yeah. not waiting till the last minute. If Bill's just sitting there going, should I tell him? Oh, uh, that subway does look good, but uh, I probably it's, should it's, tell him. It's my first day. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> um, change in plans have been acknowledged. We don't know what they are yet. There's a vigil. and For some reason, they're broadcasting the entire radio uh, communications between everybody into the press room. I don't think if the president's plane blows up, you want that broadcast. Yeah, especially if it's already been hijacked as well. 
And you know, you don't want to hear people, you know, if you know you're going to die, you don't want to hear people at their at their most panicked, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you'd like to think you'll face it with dignity, but you you you, you never know how it might respond. Yeah. And you don't want Yeah, no, you don't do that. It's like those black, like when a plane crashes, those black box calls, they never just be like, oh yeah, we found the release to the public. All, here's yeah. all of it. Yeah, you, you have to go through a couple like yeah. checks before that can be made public record. So a plane shows up, everything's cabled up, and the cable was actually really trailed behind an MC 130. Oh, wow. uh, the connection to an S747 was a visual effect. They tried to put a dummy on a cable, but the 747's. Um, bow wave blew off its coat and tie so rather than put the engines at risk they decided let's just use visual effects for everything which you could tell like the scene when like the woman who's gonna be postmaster general comes down like that's that's some pretty (laughs) swigging about that's a pretty bad looking shot it's the same they use the same shot for when you get ivan who's been strangled on his to make Mm. sure that we know he's dead um so the first lady and the and, and the daughter are cabled and they all go away. And I'm thinking, I was talking to Liam, I'm like, 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 people actually know how to do this stuff. And the scary part is it means they've practiced how to do this stuff. Yeah. Like, I, you couldn't get me to do that job. Like, landing, because he, like, lands on, like, the uh, the front windows and then scurries down the side. Oh, that's terrifying. Terrifying. It's a whole nother world. Yeah. Um, there's only one more spot available, it turns out, because the fuel keeps losing and the engines keep failing mm. and then gibbs reveals himself who made basically like you need to get off this plane mr president and if he, he's still arguing i'm like dude just go quickly maybe they can come back for someone who knows yeah and then gibbs decides i'm gonna shoot the guy from the air force i'm gonna shoot my buddy william h macy and then when he says to the president you need to he goes you protected presidents he goes yes and the next guy will trust me just as much as you did i'm like what is your end game if you're gibbs you're gonna shoot marshall have his blood all over you and go on up and just like what are you gonna say happened was there another russian we didn't know about can you try and lie and be like oh it was actually uh william h macy who was the traitor and i thankfully stopped him but he killed the oh president. that's good he killed the president yeah. and i killed him yeah that's true but at the very least you're going through like a thousand waves of uh a thousand yeah. waves of interrogation like it, he really yeah. hasn't thought this through but also it's in very clear clear space like i'm i'm sorry if if the president was on the other plane and we've all got i'm staring i got my little binoculars and i'm like what's what's gibbs doing that's yeah. not right what's, yeah. what's going on over there they're taking a bit of time so um yeah i trusted you in my life still the other president marshall wins this fight it's not the most convincing thing no. but um it turns out he gets the sort of free flow um so I'm, I'm stunned he's not ripped apart by by, yeah, by, by the like wind that's, that's whiplash to like yeah. the extreme uh but he sort of like just trails behind the uh <laughs> plane in the well i could call my worst nightmare oh my yeah. word i would be I would have soiled myself. I would have, there'd be no bodily functions left in me. It'd all be out. Oh my word. Just to be flying. They're going, Oh, no. um, yeah. Traveling at like however, like what? 800 miles an hour. I have no idea how fast you yeah, go. Especially there. with like the speed that you're being brought back. Oh my word. And a plane that's crashing behind me. Like, no, yeah. thank you. Everything is going wrong. Um, the plane crashes in what is one of the worst, <laughs> oh my word 
I know it's 97, but you chose to, like, they could have just had it disappear from above and you see an explosion from a distance. They chose instead to go, let's see what computers can do in 1990s. And, oh, it looks horrendous. <laughs> They're also like, what if the ocean was a solid? Yeah. And it sort of just, it like crumbles oh. when it hits the, like, I've, uh, Grant, I've never seen a real plane crash, but from every single air crash documentary that I've ever watched before, I bought a plane because that was the only thing on the TV. They sink first and then they break oh, apart. This is the worst. And when we get to our resties and it's the worst special effects of the year, I hope I remember this. <laughs> this was horrendous. So Marshall gets pulled up onto the airplane. Liberty 2-4 is now Air Force One because Air Force One is whatever plane the president's on automatically becomes Air Force One. Oh, okay. That's what the, yeah, so. When they say Liberty 24 is the Air Force One, everybody cheers, that's it. The VP then rips up the move to incapacitate the president and then sticks it back in the folder. I'm like, which one is it? Are we keeping this or are we getting rid of this? Just for safekeeping. Jeez. Uh, a funny note, this turned out to be the last of a, and then this is the end of the movie credits, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. This turned out to be the last of a wave of die-hard-inspired thrillers. Um... Uh, which were action movies where terrorists were invading into a confined space and are foiled by a single lone hero or saboteur. One reason was that by now, every conceivable multi-passenger vehicle, planes, trains, city buses, etc., had so been tried. Yeah. I love them. I, they're all great. We've seen, like, three diehards in the last year. Diehard, um, the one we watched, like, two weeks into 2022. I can't remember. Um, the one with Gina Hackman at the submarine. That's oh, Crimson Tide. Yeah, and that's yeah. essentially like another diehard. Yeah, tell me why I like Crimson Tide so much. Can we get to five oh, before the end of the year? Um, a Wall Street Journal poll in 2016 named Harrison Ford's James Marshall as the greatest fictional president. Second place is Thomas J. Whitmore. I was thinking maybe there's something in a future yeah. real roundtable for best world leaders on film. Yeah, everyone's like. I can think of a couple. My brain's like that. They gotta be fictional. Uh, they gotta be fictional, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hugh Grant in Hugh Grant uh, in Love Actually is absolutely yeah. in my list. Yeah, <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton in Love Actually oh, gets to be on yeah. the list. Then, yeah. So it'd be kind of fun to do yeah. something like that. Uh, if we get really tight for ideas, I'm, I'll roll that one out. Kevin James is the president in Pixels. Really? That no, I'm I'm joking. It's just like that entire film is terrible, and they're like, "What if Kevin James was the American president?" Well, I'll tell you what won't be on my list, and it's um, Chris Rock in Head of State, one of the <laughs> worst films of all time. Oh, wow. that that's what you should have slapped him for, not for uh, <laughs> not for a GI Jane joke, but uh, yeah, such such is he said as he cues up um, this, which is. We're in the end game now. And we are in the end game now. Uh, Ethan, we need a random word, buddy. You're, you're, you're doing a bit of double duty here today. Ooh, parachute. Parachute. That's a good one. I like it. It's one word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like recent events. Parachute. All right. Ethan, quick little game. You don't want to play it. What do the body yeah. count is in this movie? Oh, God. Uh, 12. 48. No fuck yeah. <laughs> i was like I, I said that and then i completely forgot about the massacre in the prison is there a massacre in the pr- oh there's that well, yeah, yeah, yeah. When, they, when they're shooting down the there's a lot of people who die in that opening sequence yeah. uh when not only that but also when when the smoke comes out and they're just like yeah. there's sp- liam's like oh, come on is, is, is a bullet not hitting a window and i'm like i'm pretty sure air force one's gonna be like bulletproof glass i do i do yeah. 
Uh, but you would probably see a lot of stuff like ricochet. That would be my big thing. Uh, money, money, money. $85 million budget. What do you think it takes on? $300 million. Yeah, very good. 312 point, sorry, 315.2. Oh, wow. Uh, of the $85 million, $20 million went to uh, Harrison Ford. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me whatsoever. Like, if you've ever seen the movie poster for this, it's just like a picture of Harrison Ford's face. Yeah. And the tagline is just him. Yeah. The tagline is Harrison Ford is the president. That's it. That's all it is. <laughs> so, um, uh, interesting thing. Around the time of this film's release, Colorado Avalanche, this is some National Hockey League, NHL stuff, yeah. my people. Yeah. Colorado Avalanche forward Joe Sackick had signed a qualifying offer with the New York Rangers, which saw the majority of the contract be paid in the beginning. Colorado's difficult financial situation made it difficult to match the offer. However, the saving grace for the Avalanche was the team's ownership group had stakes in this film. As a result, they were able to re-sign Joe Sackick and keep him on the team. Oh my god! So yeah, it's 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 a. I read that and went that. So I really hope I remember this when it comes time to my favorite context corner moment because that is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, the awards actually nominated for two Academy Awards. You want to have a guess? Wow. Uh, I don't want to say visual effects, but I feel maybe I'm. I want to say score because the score is is immaculate. Not score and not oh, wow. and not uh, visual effects. Uh, sound. Yeah. Valid and, and editing. Yeah, I like those, the editing. I think yeah, it's edited really the, well. The sound of the like a lot of the uh, just like the foley of this is is pretty yep. good. Yep. So I I really like it. I think the uh, yeah. Um, who would you cast as who in this film? It's just a we can cast the other two, even though they're not here. Ooh. Um, um, <laughs> I'm thinking Georgia could be Glenn Close. Georgia would be a good Glenn Close. Yeah. I'm trying to think who who's who's um who's ivan in this because oh. i i thought you you'd really want to chew the cedar of that i can because of judd fry i can really i would that. yeah yeah judd fry i mean is liam is liam harrison ford he'd love to be harrison ford yeah they they both have that like that sort of charm to them i think you're william h macy buddy I'm okay with that. Yeah. I get to be William H. Macy. William H. Macy's like the nicest guy who yeah. ever lived. Oh, he's, he's so, so good. He's such a nice guy. Um, What else do we have here? What should this movie have been called? If you can't call it Air Force One, what what, what, what should you call it instead? Oh, I, I'm going to go with Steaks on a Plane. Oh, my God. I can't top. That. I just, I just thought of that. To be fair, yeah, I can't, I can't top that because all of them are just like die hard on a plane. Yeah, Air Force One is so, it's so vague. It do, but it works Air, Air Force so well. One works really well. It does. Yeah. Uh, whose story is it? Well, it's Harrison Ford's story in it. Yeah, yeah. Roll of women. George uh, is not here to ask, so uh, yeah. we, we can we can kick this about between us. I'd say it's pretty good considering. In 1997, the vice president is a woman, and like like we said, like she made sure that she doesn't have like yep. just a, a stereotypical cry scene. And I know we made fun of it, but like the little girl, she's great. No, she's great. Yeah, she's strong. Yeah, yeah. It, and and even even the wife, she's the one who actually does the first move to get the gun yeah. out of um, out of Ivan's hand. So I think women throughout, you know, they don't do a whole lot, but their characters are strong. Yeah, yeah. yeah um best character 
I mean, I feel we might be. It, it's Ivan. Ivan yeah. is just I, every time he's on the scene, I had a little smile on my face, and the film was better for it. Yeah, I'm with you. It's Ivan. I mean, I'll yeah. mention to Harrison Ford. He does a good job carrying the film. He's great. Yeah, he's great. Like he he is like as an every. I think it's difficult for me because as, as an everyman, he's the president. He's both an everyman and the president. It's so strange. Yeah. He's the everyman because he's, he's a father. He can do everything. He can fly a plane. Yeah. Like, yep. He's a jack of all trades. Yep. The only thing he can't do is uh, avoid finding out what the score in the football game is. <laughs> um, but no, I think you're right. I think you're right in that. Uh, I'm almost wondering if we should do a best villain category this year for the. Because uh, yeah. I, I feel that sometimes some of our, our things get away from us, and it might be good to have that as a backup. Plus, bests we, are hard harder to do anyway. We've had some good villains this year. Well. Yeah. So it'd be good to yeah. sort of have. I think I might put that on the docket. If I forget, you'll have to remind me. Um, best moment or elemente? Um, it's the, it's, it's when Ivan shoots the woman, we just like cut away. There is so much intensity yeah. in that scene and the quick cutting and then just the echo as we focus on Harrison Ford. It's so well done for a blockbuster. And that's like, the stakes really have been set. Cause that's your second death. Yeah. And going, oh, we, we've really lost time. I think, yeah, I'm going to cheat a bit because there's only two of us. Mm. Uh, the concept, the concept is great. Yeah, Air Force. So the presidents <laughs> die hard, and like um, on a plane, like it, it's just yeah. it's just a perfect combination. So the premise is great, and I'm gonna go. Okay, great. Your scene's fantastic. I will do the scene with Ivan and Alice as mine then, yeah, and go. That's, that's good. really good. And she's like, she's like the mom's the worst one of the three. Yeah, and and she's Canadian, and I'm still saying that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, apparently she's a Canadian actress. That's what I found out. But uh, no, like the little girl is there with Gary Oldman, and uh, yeah, her lines are a little wooden, and she's her delivery's a little whatever. But you know what? She's still kind of kind of there. She's not shrinking. She's not shrinking. Yeah. At least she's at least she's trying to give something back. Like the mom's yeah. pretty eh in that scene. But no, I like that. And then Gary Oldman's just all the winning. I mean, how can you? I mean, yeah. no matter how good they are, we're up against Gary Oldman. I mean, you're going to come up second best. Oh yeah. The best you can hope for in a three person scene is not to come up fourth or fifth best when you're up against Gary Oldman because mm. he's that much better. Um, uh, I've got some stuff from Liam here. Actually, I should be taking a look at this uh, as we yeah. go through here. He sent me to it uh, both through a. Uh, a text message and a Facebook message. So there we go. Um, best element, Harrison Ford mixed with action, he says. I'll give his grumble first. Too much shooting inside the plane. There'd be bullet holes everywhere, <laughs> and the pressure would drop and rip the plane to bits. And also the CGI. He always thinks his grumbles, like, name them all. Also, the CGI in places wasn't too bad, but others that looked rubbish. Didn't think Harrison Ford was a good president, whereas Bill Pullman in the Wednesday, I believe, plus he had a better speech. Also, why did the inside man not keep his mouth shut and either may have survived him in a hero or died a hero seems silly and tells us everyone else had died well there we go he's got his own random word but i'm gonna keep yours i'm gonna nice. keep yours because liam did two words again so <laughs> <laughs> so he'll have to learn to live with uh, disappointment in that one um so that was his grumbles do you have a grumble Ethan? um the final 30 minutes of this film it just they really meander like my 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 issue throughout the film like really was there are points where the film just washes over me and i go okay like we need to spend time to build up to whatever but the ivan's dealt with and i'm okay with like your final sort of threat being 
the plane's going to crash, but then it's the plane's going to crash and there's missiles. And also Gibbs is going to yeah. shoot the president and he needs to get off in enough time. And it's just, there's so much going on at the end that it feels a bit bloated. Yeah. Um, yeah, the second ending's not necessary. You could have had some sort of gunfire between all of our baddies results in the damage yeah. that makes it un- unlandable and gotten out of it that way. We didn't need the bit where he has to fly the plane himself. And so much so that the guy from the military says, you did good, Mr. Pro. I, I, don't, I don't need that. I don't need that. Um, I guess for mine, I'm going to give, there are, there are parts of this movie that you didn't need to, like they wrote themselves into their own corners and didn't pay off. Like, you don't need to tell me, like, you know, we just need a majority of people and then give me everybody. And then I go, no, I will unilaterally hold this up. Um, and just some stuff with the plans where I'm just like, it, the story doesn't make sense in some places. And I'm just going there. It, 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 I, I'm not asking for a huge amount. I mean, I'm not, you know, speed. I love speed. Speed's great. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not going to win best picture, but it's, it's a fun movie. And this is a fun movie. I just want it to be not as head scratchy in some elements. And, and the bit about a direct order, that's just some terrible writing. The best thing you can do with a summer blockbuster is don't like you could have your film wash over everyone because it's a pop, summer popcorn film and they have fun. But the second you're picking holes in it in like a, 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 like a fun film like this and everyone's going, no, but the internal logic doesn't make any sense. Here's the thing. You don't need the subplot about should yeah. we remove him of his authority? We yeah. don't need that subplot. And if you remove that subplot, then you can get away of a whole bunch of stuff. A whole bunch of stuff, and it's just more of a simplistic sort of thing, but they, they overcomplicate it, and as a result, then it gets messy. I had something, but I've lost it, where I'm like, if you don't do this, then you can do this, but you can't do this, because they've written themselves into a corner with this thing here. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, let's talk about uh, anybody's best role ever? Definitely not Harrison's, Harrison Ford. No, there's no one I'm going to give yeah. the best role to, for me. No. Um, William H. Macy was obviously better in Fargo. Yeah, and like even though um, I the uh, Gary Oldman is great in this. There's you know, there's the darkest hour. Yeah, there is so there's so much. He's better as serious black. I'll go ahead and say that yeah. he's better as serious black. Yeah. He's not and he's not bad in this, but it's not the best thing. He's better in Mank. Way better in Mank. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, so Glenn Close, I mean, she's better as, as, as she's better in Dangerous Liaisons. She's mm. better in, um, uh, Hunter Mon Dalmatians. She's probably better as Homer's mom. I don't know. So, yeah. um, I guess it'd be a one person version of this, but let's have some fun with it anyway. I never want to hack my age. What's my age again? What's my age again? It's not too often I get to celebrate my win before we do the game. <laughs> I've, already, I've already got a win by default, but what are we doing? Age game, age game. Let's, well, that's, that's all. Let's me play the age game. It's a win and lose. It's, it, it, everything's in your favor. I'm the, fir- I'm the first yeah. one across the finish line. I get the yeah. gold medal. Yeah. Har- okay. So we've got Harrison Ford. Oh, geez. Okay. I'm going to go 49. Uh, like five years or fifty-four. Oh, is it? okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gary Oldman, not an old man, at least not compared to the other ones. I'm gonna go for him forty-two. 
Oh, 38. Okay, so still within five. He, he always, right, he always right, kind right. of looks like mid-40s in, in everything. Yeah, it's hard. Then, yeah. His name's Oldman. Uh, it throws you off. Yeah. You, want, you want to increase his age. <laughs> he, always, he just feels like like an ancient age. Like, what would he have been like as like a 22-year-old old man? Come on. I mean, it's like, that's no. Like, that's everyone's joke, I guess. Yeah. Uh, we've got Glenn Close. Oh, this is difficult because she's been around for a long time. Mm. I'm going to go... I'm going to go... F- 46. Ooh, nearly 49. All right, all right. I was going to go a little bit higher at first, but yeah. She looks really good for 49. I'll give her that. Yeah. And then finally, Wendy Crewson. Is this who played the the wife or the daughter? Uh, The wife, yeah. Oh, jeez. I'm going to go 40. Yeah, back on the money, 40 years old. There you go. go. I can sort of claim some sort of something. (laughs) I was pretty, but hey, there's no one else to give me a run this time, so I'll I'll take the W. I'll take the W. So um, that just takes us to, uh, oh, I got a bunch of me doing some stuff here. Uh, while you're going to get ready and look up the Patreon critics, I'm going to look up the good, the bad, and the Ebes. So I have not yet thought to do this. So I'm just going to quickly hop on. Ooh, I did get them just in case. Oh, go ahead. Rock, yeah. rock on, buddy. Uh, so we have uh, Destin Thomas from the Washington Post that says moments of silliness are more than balanced by Peterson's extraordinary ability to keep this movie flight worthy Ford's almost executive presence and an outstanding performance from Oldman. I, and there wasn't a number, but it is a, uh, a positive. Fresh. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Peter Travers from the Rolling Stone says, Air Force One doesn't insult the audience. It is crafted by a filmmaker who takes pride in the thrills and the sly fun he packs into every frame. 3.5 out of 4. Yeah. Uh, Then we, yeah, we have Todd McCarthy from Variety. He says, seeing the president of the United States as a kickbuck action superhero, uh, just hero, pretty much sums up the appeal of Air Force One. And then finally, we have Ebs. Ebs. And he says, Harrison Ford is one of the most likable and convin- and convincing movie stars, and he almost pulls off the impossible in Air Force One. I don't mean he saves the day. I mean he almost saves the movie. Three point, <laughs> uh, 2.5 out of 4. Yeah, I knew what his rating was in advance. Yeah. I was uh, scrolling through <laughs> my research and saw that and went, oh, a bit of a mixed bag I can, there. I could feel the pessimism from e- him. E-B? Uh Yeah. So uh, then it's... Uh, so let's take a look then. Well, while you look up the Patreon backers, yep. I'll go ahead and say that I put a fleece out, as I'm known to do from time to time. Someone just messaged me. Why have you done that? Why have I not silenced that? I have no idea. So I put a fleece out, though, as I'm known to do from time to time. And the uh, I'm just waiting for it to load here. Do, 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 do. Slow internet today at my house. It's not usually a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, staring at Pan's Labyrinth. Come on, load up, load up. There we are. So, uh, is it a great film, good film, okay film, or poor film? 57.9%. So, overwhelmingly, yeah, it's a good film. Yeah. That's a good film. Yeah, it makes but, sense. From from a general audience, I could totally see that. Makes sense. Um, yeah, and then uh, great and okay are more or less the same, and then poor mm-hmm. comes comes a, a distant fourth, which it usually does for some yeah. the stuff that we do over here on the BFE. So, uh, Ethan, what do you have from our Patreon backers? Remember, we're not giving out the scores, just yeah. uh, just the words. 
uh, we have Nate the Great, and he says, Ian said it uh, best, die hard on a plane, except for the good guys aren't interesting or worth rooting for. <laughs> the bad guy is okay. Gary Oldman is always great, but this drags quite a bit in the middle, and once Gary Oldman dies, it feels like everything is after is unnecessary and just filler. Absolutely uh, correct. Macy, yeah. William H. Macy is always fun to see. Yeah. Overall, not great. I was picking it apart from the silly decisions that they made. <laughs> Oh, was, that, was that Nate the Great? Uh, yeah, he said he had great. some words to say. Well said. Yeah, I, I, yeah well done. That's good. Uh, we have Cheesy. With a fish on a bike. I very rarely get through that side yeah. of it. Uh, and he says, this film comes across as being older than it is. I thought it was from the early 90s. It was good to see Ford getting to do some proper acting as well as his iconic smart quips and fighting. Oldman is uh, brilliant, but his accent is sometimes a bit dodgy, especially when he shouts. He just sounds like Gary Oldman. He the does slip is, yeah. into British a little bit in some yeah. places. That bit when he just goes, like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, the score is appropriately patriotic and sneaks in a little nod to Jaws when the fueling plane creeps above Air Force One. I feel like the CGI could have been better considering other films out around this time. Overall, it's just a fun 90s blockbuster. And as Ian would say, I do enjoy some pizza now and then. <laughs> Look at me. I'm, I'm just yeah. Mr. Soundbite. That's who I am. What do you want? I'll make it happen. Yeah, I you're agree. Influencing, you're influencing so many people what? in like, a good way to respect. Yeah. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? We have uh, now we've got poet laureate of the podcast, Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith, and he says, "I've not seen this in twenty years, so it's difficult to remember specifics." Harrison Ford did quite a few of these types of films: Patriot Games, Clear and Present Danger, and The Fugitive Spring to Mind. Oh, this is he the is- most. This is the most fun of them all, though. Those yeah. are all very serious movies. The, if someone told me The Fugitive is is a fun film. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's well suited to these kind of roles and is in this gets to be present unlike poor alexander hamilton i remember this being a very tense film with a high stakes situation throughout it's very much of its time like the others i mentioned i'm not sure that many films of this type are made after 9-11 glenn close is great and i had totally forgotten that gary oldman was in it he's amazing as he is in everything i'm giving it a Uh, yeah then we have reverend bruce Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> I was prepared this time. Well, good job. And he says, I love this movie. It's one of my favorite action adventures. The premise is completely absurd. Uh, there is no way the Russians could have boarded Air Force One there easily, but it makes for a high flying adrenaline <laughs> rush. Although the film's Cold War backdrop is dated, Harrison Ford plays a no nonsense American president. And now I have yet another line to use. Uh, on any annoying parishioners get out of my church <laughs> yeah yeah it's, 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 it's so weird i mean like you think about all the words that went about uh top gun maverick and making sure it was this nondescript nation yeah. because we're, it's a different world now you can't just cast yeah. nation x as the villain anymore um is that a positive or, i don't know it's a movie it's just a movie yeah, I th- I think because w- whenever it's like Hans Gruber or uh, Ivan, it's like it's almost nondescript European accent. Sure, which I, I I guess is like up to interpretation, but at the same point, that's like let's see if I can get some biases in there as well. But you know, yep, uh, I agree. Was like was it with um the Rock? How they're like it's part of the US, but they're they're um they're like a sect that broke off and I'm yeah like, okay, yeah it's like your excuse there. so much of it like ed harris was like a crisis of conscience like two-thirds <laughs> yeah. of the way through the movie yeah 
And then finally, we have Juline. Juline, Juline, Juline. And she says, I forgot how exciting this movie was. The score definitely had me waxing nostalgic. I feel like movies during the 80s and 90s had some epic scores. The color grading was a little bit dark for my taste. I think it's an orange-blue base. I would have... Uh, I think it's like an orange-blue base. I would have added a couple brighter nodes. Uh, I like how the seat lights on Air Force One cleverly disguise the backlights. Also, ah, Gary Oldman is always awesome. <laughs> he is always awesome. Yeah. Uh, Julian always p- seems to note, or frequently notes, the color grading, which Ooh. is something that um, I notice when it's thematic. I don't know if I pay enough attention to it overall. But I notice I, when it's thematic, and I notice when it's terrible. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I notice yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but but when, when they're clearly shifting. Like, oh, this is orange. Ooh, this is blue. I'm like, okay, I pick that stuff up. But just an overall color palette. I don't know if I pay enough attention to the grading of it all. Uh, I notice it when I'm shooting my own stuff. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, yeah. So thank you very much, everybody who contributed. Yeah. We'll find out what the numbers were in just a mo. Uh, let's take a look now at he said. Uh, at the uh, overall scores on the doors, or not the scores on the doors, but the reviews from the uh, fledgling fandom, shall we? Not a whole bunch today. We've got Shoot the Flick, who said literally just did an episode on it. Lol. It was, uh, by the way, British people say lol, just so that uh, yeah. people from outside, they're going, it's not LOL here, it's lol. <laughs> it was a lot of, they also say SNES instead of Super Nintendo Entertainment System or Super Nintendo. They go yeah. SNES and NES. Uh, it was a lot of fun, but the second climax is a bit much. I fully agree with that. Yeah. Uh, Carlo, low, 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 says, haven't seen it in a while, but I remember it being good. Harrison Ford does a great job shedding his Indiana Jones Han Solo hero persona and creating a believable, reluctant hero. Yeah, I'd go with that. He is reluctant. Yeah. When he shoots, he has this, these moments of crisis. He doesn't want to be shooting people. Josh, your next favorite movie, says, get off my plane. <laughs> I've never actually sat down and watched this one. <laughs> and that's Josh, my next favorite movie. Uh, Liam filmed his today, so I believe all of our Ooh, best month wow. ever two best month boogaloos are in the can now. Exciting. So I do know that, uh, I don't know if it's Georgia first or you first, Ethan, but one of you are first, the other one is second, Liam is third, and then I have the anchor position. And Josh has promised me all the tasty metrics. Now, I don't think my film is uh, is by itself a choice that draws an audience, so I'll say that yeah, much. Yeah, mine either. Oh, really? Okay, I'll be interested to see what it is. Yeah. Uh, we'll definitely do lots of promo for that when oh, it comes yeah. up in August. So, actually, it'll be very, very soon. Uh, we will, starting next Tuesday, I imagine, we will give some love on who's up and what film they're doing. That's close. Wow. And finally, the nostalgia cast who say, one of the better diehard clones. Peterson is one hell of a propulsive action director. Ford is the ultimate wish fulfillment president, and Oldman che- choose the scenery with the best of them. So, um,. You know, seventy-eight uh, percent on Rotten Tomatoes, only a six point five on IMDb, which really floored me. Yeah, it's like a sixty on Metacritic as well. I was looking when I was really? looking for IMDb, it was like, yeah, I was surprised to see it so low. Because this feels like it should, like the critics, I get, I don't know, but yeah. like, but like the IMDb, this feels like it should have everything people want. I think it's one of those films that, like. Obviously, like people that like love high octane, like adrenaline testosterone films will like it. But I think I've noticed a lot of films that people used to love in the 80s and 90s of has a resurgence. And then there are people that don't like those tropes because they're not as modern than like say it's terrible. Yeah. So Uh, like you have this middle ground of like just the clash. Yeah. Let's talk about one last critic. 
Yeah. Well, a few last critics, actually. President Bill Clinton saw the film twice in office <laughs> and gave it good reviews. He noted that certain elements of the film's version of Air Force One, like the escape pod and the rear parachute ramp, did not reflect features of the actual Air Force One. Though, since many Air Force One features are highly classified and need to know, these features cannot be completely ruled out, actually. Um, in the audio commentary, Wolfgang Peterson said that the real plane did not have these features at the time. They probably will be added by future governments. One of those future governments might be during his campaign for presidency of the United States in the 2016 presidential election, oh, no. businessman and Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump said he admired Ford for his role in Air Force <laughs> One because he, quote, stood up for america ford responded by saying donald it was just a movie things like that don't happen in real life <laughs> however he doubted that trump's campaign would be successful uh, when donald trump wins the election he comes on stage to music from air force one. Oh my god so there we go. So just some more great context corner stuff. Uh, on the DVD commentary, Wolfgang Peterson noted that, uh, I think it was uh, Dwayne Smith who said this, he likely would not have made this movie after the 9-11 attacks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, don't, mind a I, good ter- I don't mind a terrorist movie. Um, I, I think we've, in like the last five years, like whenever like the White House down, yeah, Blackhawk, yeah. all those ones, I think that's when we sort of started to be like, yeah, we can do this again because there hasn't been like such a, a major like there hasn't been anything that feels too close to home i guess and then like you know someone will be like well if we made a covid movie and, and, yeah, and, and what, what better wish fulfillment can you have than the terrorists came and we beat them you know what i mean yeah. like sometimes you got to take that so you can sort of um reappropriate or disempower it to a degree mm. um i'm okay with it i understand people when i wouldn't make one yeah it's totally fine totally get that but if one came out uh i would be totally i would i would be interested if it was a decent enough movie of course it wouldn't turn me off i want to see one one final critic reputedly when 20th century fox were experiencing huge production overruns and massive escalating costs on titanic rupert murdoch was told a rough cut had been assembled and his projectionist prepared to screen it however when he was previewing it the projectionist realized the print was unwatchable he quickly contacted one of Murdoch's assistants and organized a quick alternative. The alternative being Air Force One. Oh, wow. Murdoch apparently loved it. Later, after seeing the final version of Titanic, Murdoch was reputed to have said, yeah, it's good, but it's no Air Force One. What? Uh, if you if you like this film episode you'll like i think you'll like um the rock i think there's a lot of similarities between this and the rock um i think you'll like die hard which we've done an episode on uh die hard with a vengeance which is an episode on um like all those kind of like trapped dinner yeah uh yeah uh, you say crimson is that what you said crimson tide yeah, I said I meant yeah. to say I said Crimson Dawn, but I meant oh, Crimson, Crimson Tide. Tide. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so like these are all films that kind of share that. I think that's why I like Crimson Tide so much. It's like mm. the best version of one of these sorts of. I love power struggles. Yeah. I love you know two very clear sides. Who's going to win the day? Um, yeah, it's good times in the in the the nineties were the zenith of a lot of this stuff. So there we go. Now it's time for our ratings. I will start with Liam's rating here. Liam's rating. Liam gave this film. Uh, there we go. Uh, no big speech from Liam on this one. Uh, he gave it all for his things. Uh, he only gave it six and a half missing parachutes out of ten. Wow. Six and a half missing parachutes out of 
of 10. Uh, so then that makes me go, Ethan, where did you go with this one? I went about this. I, I, I'm teetering between six and a half and seven. Cause I had a lot of fun with this film, but also it's deeply flawed in some places. But I think it's it's like I said with Men in Black. Sometimes there are just fun, like high octane Tony Brain of popcorn flicks, and this is one of them. When it's good, it's so good and fun. And the 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 slow parts are slow, but you know it's still a really fun journey like no matter what and even if i'm not in like it's unintentional i'm still kind of giggling and having a good time uh so i'm going for six and a half times that gibbs could have killed the president wow really yeah okay okay there's a lot there's a lot of goodness to this but i think it's the same vein where i'm like there is something where i'm going the 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 facade for me is summer action blockbuster but can i surpass that and it kind of like meanders just under oh, that, that cusp for me i think i'm gonna surprise you uh i like pizza and i like a good yeah. piece of pizza yeah. and this is a whole bunch of red white and blue y'all america <laughs> pizza man that's yeah. what this is so i am going to give this uh eight let's do it for the red white and blue satellite phones out of ten uh, it's really a lot of fun, and I said it early on. Yeah. This film is so much greater than the sum of its parts, and I don't know why. And yeah, it drags too long, and yeah, but you know what? It's such a simple premise. It's about a, fa- a father trying to rescue his kid and his wife. It just so happens he's the president of the United States, and they're on a plane at 15,000 feet. It's just a lot, and you can't get away, and you can't escape, and they think he's not there, but he really is. Ah, oh, I like me some air force one get off my plane um what about who's the voice of the people this week is it me is it you who is it it's uh it's me and liam wow Uh, the average is a 6.6 i will say though you did have two people in your corner and that was julene and uh reverend bruce because they both gave it an eight Oh really? Okay. It brought, yeah, it was brought down by uh, Nate, who gave this a four. Whoa! Uh, yeah, and then uh, we had cheesy with a seven, and then Nate with a six. So yeah, four. It, yeah, it, it probably would have been way closer to you if not. Nah, you're right. No, nah, I mean yeah. the highest were the same as I had. So no, yeah. probably probably still closer more to where you were. So overall, it brings it as a six point nine, which looking at recents puts it above Jurassic World. It puts it above Bonnie and Clyde. It puts it just above Top Gun. Interesting. Oh, wow. Interesting. Oh, this is a better film than Top Gun. Without question, this is a better film than Top Gun. Which is I funny because I that, think yeah. so. Liam doesn't. Uh, you had it ranked the same. Yeah, that makes sense. And the patrons uh, slightly, slightly preferred this. Slightly. So, yeah, so that's kind of an interesting comparison. Um, Liam and I kind of joked maybe one of the F-14s at the end that was coming to save him had uh, had Maverick in it. And, uh, <laughs> you go, sir. So uh, if you want to be on the pod, if you want to choose the movie, if you want to have yeah. your voice count in that Patreon, you just saw right there, the, the, the numbers our Patreon backers put in there help determine the final placement of this film. So mm-hmm. if you want to be sort of on that, check us out, patreon.com slash BFE. We kept it simple for you. It can help us keep the lights on here at the studio of awesomeness. Uh, adding to that, just on a side note, mm-hmm. one of my favorite podcasts, um, and, and someone who I'm not going to say that hasn't been influential in the way that I present myself on the pod. Um, if, if you know me, if you listen to any of the mailbags, you know that I'm always kind of thinking about 
the way that we present ourselves in the pod and what the appeal of each person is. And yeah, they're real versions of ourselves. Do we accentuate certain features? Probably. Probably. But someone who I've gotten a lot of, I paid a lot of attention to how they present themselves and at times may have um, gone, okay, he does this with his personality. I can do some stuff similar to that. Uh, the, the whole Ian is always right thing. It's not a. Sto- it's not like he went. Matthew is always right, but that's sort of me better than everybody else. Yeah. That there is something there. His name is Matthew Barry, and he's left uh, the fantasy focused football podcast out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, he's going to go on probably and do bigger and greater things. He'll probably go work for ES. Uh, he's already worked for ES. He quit ESPN. Probably go work for Monday Night Football. That'll be the American version of Monday Night Football. But it's going to be. Uh, and you just don't know. You just don't know yeah. when um, your favorite sort of stuff just ends. It was without warning. He just said, this is my last episode. And we're like, whoa. Um, and we don't want to do that. And as a result of what, you know, it, it helps to know that people are are find value in it. And it helps us to do things like keep the pod so it's paying for itself. And that that's quite nice. And helps us upgrade the equipment. And it helps us with some other stuff that we have planned out, including some rewards that we hand out to our backers. And I hope that we're, we'll be getting in touch. Or it's about time for, for another set. So we'll be getting in yeah. touch uh, imminently with our Patreon backers for who that applies to. Keep your eyes on the group chats. Uh, so there is that. And on that note, one of our Patreon backers, the glorious Reverend Bruce is up on deck next week and i have his announcement here so i'll say this much i always get excited about reverend bruce because almost always i get to say this it's going to be a first watch for me oh and that's always really interesting Uh, i'm just looking for his tweet here we go here is a lead for you if you like reverend bruce loves a heist movie we know ethan likes a heist movie i love a heist especially priceless is one about taking down the cathedral of boston the protagonist is obviously Irish, not Scottish, and is in a very different profession, but has the same surname. I'm guessing this is McRae. So next week, Reverend Bruce will join us in the pod for the Endgame and discuss what we thought about his choice of Ben Affleck's The Town. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's been on my list for a long time. I've I've had it's been on my periphery going. Yeah. I keep hearing good things, and I rate out the older Affleck gets, the more I rate the guy as an actor. Yeah, uh, and generally that means you've got a head for how film should be. So I'm very excited about Reverend Bruce joining us next That's week exciting. for the town. My favorite thing about Reverend Bruce is like he looks at my. Uh, want to watch list on like letterboxd or something because it's always something that i'm like oh i i want to when do i find time and it's whenever he's on the podcast yeah it it, it just uh maybe just finds the right thing at the right time i don't know he but really uh does. yeah it, and and it's always just a good conversation with the good mm-hmm. reverend bruce so uh i'm very excited it feels like it's been a while since we had a uh a bff at the bfe yeah. on the old pod um so i think i think he'll be joining us from from his from his on vacation i think he'll be joining us Ooh. yes i nice. think he's by that 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 lighthouse that he always talks about with the BFE forest gum thing so he's gonna look five thousand miles to the east we'll look five thousand miles to the west we'll do a long distance high five with <laughs> reverend bruce on the old zoom call here at the bfe So, please join us next week when we tackle Ben Affleck's The Town. Thanks for sticking with us. I know it was the two of us today, but Ethan, thanks a lot for uh, 
for helping me out talking a little that's always fun a little a little air force one <laughs> making air some force. air force fun yeah. all right so please join us next week when we tackle ben affleck's the town for best film ever i've been here Man, I've been Ethan. And I don't care if you groaned earlier. First rule of Flight Club is we don't <laughs> talk about Flight Club. We'll catch you on the flippity flap. The flippity flip flop. <laughs>